Welcome to another session of the Corona Committee, our session number 105. We've called it Testing the Waters. We see in a couple of places that be things that we have to observe closely. Monkeypox is one thing, or jaguar, leopard, pox, whatever it may be called. Things where one may have the impression that they try to spark some interest. Will it spark fear? It's interesting to have this topic coming around the corner. I think in the last 15 years, they have never been mentioned anywhere. Interestingly, however, Professor Drosten has um, done three publications on this um, from 2004 to 2006. That's quite an interesting fact to note, and we'll come back to that topic later on. We're testing the waters in other places, and they are as well. Um, for example, the WHO, uh, what they are planning to do with the international health regulations and other things. We know this. We know this trying out how the population reacts. It's Junkers who says just let the throw a stone in the water or put a foot in the door if they don't uh, kick it out. Um, we'll open the, they'll open the door and we'll have to be very carefully um, on this and with the evidence-based analyses of the measures, that's what we're looking into. And this is a consequence of the measures that um, the backdrop of these things uh, is illuminated. Rainer, what is your position? Well, my personal conviction is, but it doesn't have to be shared by others, is that we're dealing with a gigantic illusion here uh, that we are um, exposed to psychoterrorism using the media to um, try to uh, make people unsure and I think we've uh, moved very far in Germany if you look at the health minister's uh, video where he says that there is a um, a realistic uh, exercise with uh, the leopard something I, I have another uh, more uh, realistic scenario to offer maybe an exercise uh, with dinosaurs um, because there's uh, oodles of them in Germany I don't think we have to take that too seriously because we've seen what start, what's been started here, i.e. the corona crisis has not, has never been a, a corona crisis, but instead, what, as we've exposed in our sessions here, it was uh, Mr. Drosten with his PCR tests, um, according uh, uh, to all we know that there was no excessive mortality. Um, up until the vaccinations, of course, that his leopard's uh, bite is uh, as uh, likely as a dinosaur bite. But what needs to be taken seriously is the war games being played there in Ukraine. We know who's behind it. We don't know exactly who's at the very uh, root of it, but we see the puppets uh, who are warmongers, particularly the Green Party in Germany. and. This is so idiotic, this can easily backfire on us. And that is why at the very beginning I wanted to show a video that is obviously designed to support Ukraine, but we can use it much better, actually. Uh, we should show this video 
because they control what happens if this gets out of hand, because all politicians are warmongering because they have been uh, made to do so by NATO and the US, and 70% of the population go along because they believe that's the wrong, the right approach. The reality might then be, what, as we will soon be able to see now, maybe we can uh, see this video. That speaks a clear language where the danger is and the highly dangerous virus and the bite of a jaguar or dinosaur, that is not such a danger as what we've just seen. If we have a number of people who are not ready and able to see these things and just uh, follow orders, sending weapons in to conflict zones, uh, because in the end, those who will be attacked won't be able to say, okay, it's no problem, the German are good guys, we want to sell them some gas. They will have to um, not be able to sell this to their own population. But that's not all. We've got a couple of problems more. Things look like as if uh, Hamburg is looking for professional um, denouncers, um, I don't know. Um, they want to make money with it, so they want to uh, make money and turning people in. Hamburg looks for observers. Vivian, I can't read it, but maybe you can see what they are looking for. Um, it's uh, the um, Authority for uh, Internal Affairs Sports and um, Protection of the um, Constitution. They are looking for full-time uh, employees. We, the uh, Office of Protection of the uh, Constitution, uh, are the early warning system against uh, threats to our uh, free democratic uh, system. Our job is to observe any um, efforts uh, threatening the constitution and uh, security etc etc your jobs tasks um, job description is observation uh, with conspirative uh, uh, conditions uh, on foot or by car and uh, they do that in in authority so they spy on themselves well we are back to where we've come from good old german tradition gestapo stasi all trained by the CIA by now. If you to take part, it's gonna be a great lot of fun, but it's important that people know that this is the threat. That's the system we are in. Um, as a Pazis party, we can only say it is not worth fighting this system from within. We can only warn it from the outside and build up our own system. Only that will make us independent of all that rubbish that these global structures and their people in the background try to do. And before we come to Mr. Berninger, 
our guest today another word on another video clip which is a member of the European Parliament, Christina Anderson, who we've liked to talk to, talk to in person as well. As a party debases, we always said we will talk to everyone if they're not completely mad and um, are understandable. And there are some people we can't talk to AFD. We see that completely different. We came in as a party to do away with parties. We think democracy has to go where it belongs to the people, to the families, to the regions, to the communalities from the bottom. And I personally, I know Wolfgang has said this as well, all of us, it's important how the individual person is uh, working. And the short two-minute clip is ingenious. That is what we would have expected from the Greens, but they would rather like to throw bombs. Seems to be more fun to them. If they knew what I know, I was a soldier once. Well, I won't comment on that. Let's listen to Ms. Anderson. Plan is to allow the WHO to seize executive governance powers of the member states in a case of a pandemic. This amounts to no less than disenfranchising the people. We, as elected representatives by the people, for the people, must not allow this to happen. Next speaker is uh, Ms. Kristen Anderson. Thank you. Dear colleagues, uh, you might not be aware, but the abolition of democracy by the global elites continues. On March 3rd, the EU Commission was authorized by the Council to renegotiate the treaty with the World Health Organization on behalf of the member states. Under the guise of improving global pandemic response, the plan is to allow the WHO to seize executive governance powers of the member states in a case of a pandemic. Granting governing powers to non-elected body is the exact opposite of democratic recourse and takes away any possibility for the people to hold officials accountable. This amounts to no less than disenfranchising the people. We, as elected representatives by the people, for the people, must not allow this to happen. I am imploring you, do what you were elected to do. Look into this and protect the rights of the people. The people you were elected by to act in their best interest. And to all the people in Europe, I would like to say, start acting now. Write to your MEPs. Let them know you will not tolerate to be stripped of your rights to democratic recourse. Let them know that any MEP supporting this or voting for this will not ever get your vote again. So this is something we would have expected from someone like Mr. Schultz, but he has other things to do, for example, Comex and Wirecard and things like that. Um, so they are waiting for him anyway, but he has to wage the war. His own bosses from the WEF want this, and some in the pe people in the parliament works against this. This is one voice of them, and it's getting more um, here in US and in Australia as well, as we've heard from Malcolm Roberts the other day. Now let's move on to a bit more positive view of the things. Mr. Jörn Berninger. Jörn Berninger, I've seen a video from you, and 
the point is they can do what they want with all that AI things. They will never be able to calculate us, to calculate us as they should to control us. And that's my thing because they can only calculate 70%, but not people like us. They won't be able to. Or is that a wrong summary? Well, I'd reword it maybe. I'd say if we put garbage into uh, the system, then the calculation uh, resulting will be even more garbage. The question is, what uh, data do we give into the system and the background um, behind this, uh, this statement or behind the video was how uh, was this sudden end of the pandemic uh, possible because we uh, were granting politicians um, so many rights and suddenly they uh, gave them up again uh, all of a sudden, at least um, for the time being. And the question is, why do politicians forego rights that they had? Um, um, why do they, uh, that they were granted once? Because normally they don't do that. And I think that it was, uh, Artificial intelligence uh, wasn't able to handle the data that were being put in, and I think the um, demonstrations, uh, the so-called walkers, were the ones who um, uh, confused the AI there, which couldn't handle this anymore. Mr. Benninger, could you tell us a little bit about your background and the approach of your analysis? Well, my background is I started YouTubing, YouTube, uh, making YouTube videos in 2007. I uh, spoke at the time about the financial crisis, and in 2008, I uh, was among the first YouTubers who uh, made the experience that I wasn't allowed to say uh, anything I wanted, and I was uh, faced with a big black hole, wondering what kind of a world are we living in, because the people, uh, the things that I said, um, I said, for instance, by uh, coincidence. On the 15th of September uh, 2008, there'll be a crash, and it happened to happen on the very uh, day that I had predicted. Um, and um, then I looked into the details a lot, and I um, looked into um, stock market analyses, early detection of um, trends. I um, I'm a uh, scientist by uh, training, and I look into the connections between things, really. And with this uh, crisis, we see now that we're being attacked from uh, different angles from um, by many agents. And you really have to see how to handle this. Um, and um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, see how um, freelancers try to uh, deal with this situation. I think the approach that you've taken in your video is absolutely convincing. I have um, nothing good for AI. I think it can do a few things, but the actual power, if you want to call it that, from the view of our enemies, of the transhumanists and other creatures, the actual power can only unfold if it is so much controlled, or we are so controlled, that we are somehow chipped. As long as we've got these 30% in Germany, maybe 20 be enough anyway, think for themselves, question things, my impression is they won't be able to do it because we are the ones who drop out of the system, who don't listen and who um, don't follow the rules that they give us um, or only up front.
And uh, I think that is roughly what you have expressed in the, your video, uh, because you have explained that the AI, which is used, uh, cannot uh, catch everything. The reaction of us, of the streetwalkers, confuses it, doesn't it? Well, I, I do believe that AI didn't anticipate uh, this. And the AI can actually determine that uh, people aren't playing along by my rules. And I have a customer who was arrested. And I uh, think he was targeted. Uh, I'm sure he was monitored um, via his mobile phone. They watched where he was going. It's a person who was very active in resistance. And then they brought him to a situation where he acted the way the AI was able to, to predict. Uh, we know how far AI has progressed now. And your question is, what can we do uh, to defend ourselves? And what AI can do is have consciousness. We uh, do most of the things subconsciously. When we brush our teeth, when we go to the toilet, we do everything in the same way. When we have our um, coffee in the morning, we do things the same way. And if we start changing our behaviors, then we're suddenly new peaks in the, in the image, then we do things differently. The question is, AI is getting ever better. That's the problem we have. We have this uh, social credit system in uh, China with uh, drones that um, monitor people with um, face recognition, etc. And if we continue working the way uh, we, or if we go down the route that we've going down, been going down now, we might have this um, system in uh, some time in the future. In China, it's in place. People don't have a, a chance to move out of the system anymore. We still have this opportunity, and the way to avoid this system being implemented is awareness. That's our chance, and it means work, and we have to do things um, and that is why um, they're targeting uh, freelancers um, who um, uh, since 2016 so that they can uh, map them and most um, economic theories only look at the benefit for people but they never look at what's the point what's this meaning and that's what we have with uh, Christi uh, Christianity, for instance. Uh, it's about meaning, about love, not only about benefit. And when people, um, when politicians uh, swear their oath of office, they swear it to um, promote the benefit of the people. And I think um, this is uh, something that will soon come to an end, that uh, benefit takes center stage. We uh, have to fight pure benefit. We want meaning again. And um, if um, AI underpins this, or if AI wants uh, is to uh, take sway, then we have to undermine the value system. Because if uh, people are governed by values, then um, AI can't handle this. But if, uh, um, as, as long as we um, are online, if we watch TV, we produce data and we provide those data as well. So in this theory, where does, is all this data collected? 
Of course, it is put in through the data, the different service providers, and uh, is it collected from the handy, from the cell phone producers? Uh, where is it all summed up? Google? Well, Google really loves uh, coll uh, collecting uh, data. That was always their objective. They wanted to build the um, biggest database, and they have these search algorithms for this. There was a, a book 10, 20 years old about Google. If we want to buy shares with a bank, we may uh, look it up on Google. Then uh, Google has the information that there is some additional interest. And if we then enter uh, with the bank, I want to buy this uh, stock, then they uh, play with money to test the algorithms we uh, developed. So I enter this, and then um, the algorithm sees that there is interest um, before I uh, can even buy the, uh, the share. Um, and that means that the price goes up. So by just um, watching this, if we do that consciously, um, we can control this, we can use this mechanism uh, without influencing it. So now the question is who gets the data? Um, that is difficult to answer because there's incredible many uh, data suckers. There's the NSA, CIA, they're all these data suckers where uh, enormous volumes of data uh, accrue. Nobody can do that individually anymore. No, uh, People can't do that. That's done by algorithms. In Switzerland, there's a new suggestion in Parliament now that uh, data can be analyzed without um, a court order to analyze what people do. And we have so many different places where data accrue, and uh, that's a big problem because we can't, nobody can control this anymore. So if I turn on uh, my computer and I look at how many uh, data does my uh, computer send, and um, there may be thousands of internet addresses that my computer may call up without my doing anything. That's the problem. Uh, it is not yet um, interlinked into a single AI, but that's probably the objective. You said earlier on that the AI or the use of AI is so advanced in China that they won't be able to get out of it anymore. I, I was in China some five years ago to talk to some witnesses. I went there with other witnesses and uh, I was in Shenzhen, first in Hong Kong and then Shenzhen. I just looked around a little and I noted that there's cameras everywhere, at least in the cities. In the cities, you're apparently trapped um, in the countryside. Um, it's not Stone Age, but quite close. And uh, so you are at a time horizon. It's like you're driving through a time tunnel if you leave the cities kind of back to the 60s, 50s, 40s. But in the cities, we have complete technization. Um, you have cars. And at the time, it was visible that also, well, that is five years ago, that is facial recognition that seems to work. Are you of the opinion that the Chinese won't be able to get out of this? Or does that apply to the cities? 
and the population, the urban population, and not for the rural population. Well, the Chinese are caught in this development, at least in the cities. Anybody who has a mobile phone um, is caught as well. You don't have to have cameras everywhere. Everybody has a camera in the mobile phone. So the mobile phone uh, sends uh, thousands of data, uh, location, when you move, how fast you move. You don't have to have GPS uh, in our German cars. Um, they have these uh, uh, phone, uh, mobile phone uh, SIM cards uh, installed. Um, a friend of mine had it removed uh, because they send data to uh, the manufacturer and, and they can always see this is where he's going, uh, this is where uh, he's stopping, where he's sleeping, he's going too fast here, to slow there. So that's all part of the green policy um, that we now have, um, because then you can control uh, people's behavior. That's why the green took power now, because they can control people's behavior now. The question is, can um, politicians still uh, take any decisions, or is it the teleprompter? And who controls the teleprompter? Is it someone, is it a ghostwriter, a human ghostwriter, or is it an AI behind it? And I think it's the latter, actually. If you see other experts that we've been talking to or how we we find out ourselves video clips uh, with politicians first one of them and then it's put onto each other verbally say the same thing at verbum um, so using the same words that is inexplicable if we think there's individual ghostwriters so it can only be explained that way well, I think at the beginning they still trained it. Um, there were events where politicians got together to discuss the pandemic, for instance, and then the speed was so fast that uh, reaction across the globe wasn't possible any uh, anymore because the same phrases were translated into all languages. And I think this was then done by the AI, and that's probably why uh, different AI and artificial intelligences uh, work on finding the best uh, wording. And I know uh, from other areas, um, for instance, uh, among um, in legal uh, processes, lawyers uh, sift through thousands of documents with AI, and AI can give extremely good advice, um, which will help the lawyers then. So can it be, if I take Google, Google checks for all these people that look for the Monday walks. And uh, so he sees what's going on in Indonesia and in other places. But somewhere, something has to trigger at a different point for the people who um, write the spin altogether, send a signal, be aware, this is too far into one direction that is um, limiting the people too much. People have to get some liberty. They have to be able to hang out together, have a beer together to give them power for the winter when we get the monkeypox out. So there has to be some kind of way um, it must be bundled. Not everybody can do a Google Analytics thing that um, comes up with that type of finding to draw such conclusions and make these decisions. So who is behind the scenes there? That's the, the key question that I can't answer. Who 
precisely is behind it. That would immediately be labeled a conspiracy theory. It is certainly very wealthy groups. It's not uh, states. States have different uh, interests. It's uh, interest groups with a lot of money who want uh, certain things implemented in the world. Mr. Berninger, that seems to be obvious to me that these are not state, but groups that have a lot of money. That is the suspicion of uh, a fact-based suspicion that a comparatively small group of people here tries to use millions of people that they have bought or they pressurized to forward their own interests uh, because um, well transhumanism is uh, in the interest of no one except from a few psychopaths as the psychologists have explained to us the question who's behind this opens a view on the question who controls that is this our governments that uh, control us or those who we try to get a balanced uh, relationship with or and without uh, talking about Rexburger or other things there is this kind of approach or is it individuals who actually because they do have so much money which is our money originally which has been taken away from us over the centuries um, they now control the governments because so that the governments are just the uh, front stages and the intelligence service are behind it because uh, I think first line they are the only ones who have the opportunities to uh, work with these um, AIs do you have any suspicion or any uh, findings in this direction well there's certainly groups they, they have to belong uh, somehow it's not an individual person uh, I think it's a number of multi-billionaires who get together and do things there together and it's not the multi-billionaires who we know as uh, the wealthiest people in the world like Elon Musk um, has warned against AI that it uh, drifts into uh, pure automatism uh, in Libya fully automated uh, drones have been tested already so there's no no one in control anymore they can attack targets uh, um, autonomously we're a bit further now and they are planning to use this technology in Ukraine now, the uh, fully automated battleground where only artificial intelligence takes decisions at the end of the day. Who are the groups behind this? This is very difficult to answer this question. I think that they are very wealthy people who um, stay in the background. We have uh, well-known uh, uh, wealthy people, Bill Gates and Mr. Zorro, um, but um, they're puppets. I don't think they're the ones who take the decisions. And I don't think that the uh, NSA and the other um, secret agencies um, are the ones who operate uh, or run these uh, artificial intelligences. I think they are um, privately operated. You need startups. They are more in um, innovative they don't have to worry about uh, secrecy so much but they can get the data from the intelligence uh, agencies the nsa uh, arose out of insor that was a, a company that made um, software programs for lawyers back in the 60s where there were hardly any lawyers um, that determined where are people um, held up etc 
uh, where where um, are people at any given uh, time um, that was analyzed via data streams and that moved metamorphosized then into NSA? We have indication that all messenger services, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, Signal, Telegram, whatever they call, Telegram seems to be from Russia. We don't know for sure. Uh, we have uh, indications that these have all been created with the collaboration of the intelligence services or with uh, investments of the intelligence services, NSA, CSI, CIA, and so on. Uh, people like Mark Zuckerberg and other people are only puppets on strings as well. Is that a theory which is uh, outruled out or could that be true? I'd say it's uh, 70 to 90% true. I wouldn't say that they're fully independent. I wouldn't say they're fully dependent uh, either. But if they take the wrong step, they'll certainly be dismantled. Then the conglomerate, the Facebook conglomerate would be immediately uh, dissolved. Um, we could see that the crypto uh, currencies, for instance, didn't uh, work out uh, for the moment. And uh, so, uh, there are irrational uh, infights in uh, these groups. Elon Musk, for instance, wants to buy Twitter in order to help the Republicans. Uh, and then there's a lot of uh, um, shouting about it, um, a lot of booing going on. And um, that's just um, um, games that are going on. We don't know who's behind them all. And we can't determine that at all. Well, he was not quite sure whether he is still a human being or was one. Uh, maybe that was a Frugian slip. Um, I think he was never a human being. He was just built up from Lego blocks. At least that's what he looks like. And uh, in the end, the positive message that you have is that the AI is not able to follow people who don't follow patterns that can be calculated. So um, I wonder about myself sometimes what I'm going to be up to next. And if it's many people who do this, uh, AI can't calculate it and not control either, can it? I'd uh, take an even more positive tack. I'd say the more we um, develop, the more we want to change things in day-to-day -day work, the more we want to learn, the less uh, AI can handle us. So learning is uh, the key to uh, fool the AI. That is my uh, main finding from all this. And to move away from all these messenger services. Um, if I'm in uh, resistance, I only respond and I only react. I have to oppose something that uh, someone else does. That's the problem of resistance. I've uh, been asking myself what has worked from the point of view of uh, the resist resistance and what didn't work. And anything that followed leaders, any followers didn't work. But to do your own thing, that did work. Uh, that's what um, the streetwalkers did, for instance. There was no leadership um, structure anymore that the AI could have taken out. And that's probably the reason why we, on the political level, 
uh, Viviana and I have um, discussed this with the uh, lead of the party. Um, we started, we set out to do away with party as at all because the fundamental structures of democracy are not represented by parties. So we have the opinion that first of all, and what we to fight what we see now, the few super rich who uh, probably um, have millions of people who want to get money from them and people who can be pressurized, we think it's most important to detach from these people. First of all, completely away with all these NGOs. They can play their own game. That will include the WHO, the WEF, the, the World Wildlife Fund, all the same people. Um, the Greens movement has been um, infiltrated by them, NATO, UN. These are the global structures. That's the first thing we have to get away from. And second, in the regions, without looking for uh, being leaders, everybody can be a leader. People just have been trained not to be leaders. Everybody can do anything and in work with others, um, they'll find out what they are best to do in new training system, new legal system if you need it, new health system, uh, not health uh, or health insurance, but health and new economies that have to be set up. Then we will not be under their control. But as long as we are in the system, as long as we fight the system, which is amidst the process of collapse. Apps. There's nothing to save. They want to have it pull it pulled down because they want to hide away in the rubble. Um, as long as we fight against the system, we are on the wrong way. Detached from it, we tried to do it with Vanuatu. Um, we are in very close contact with them. We want to do that in Brazil. We are in a very small country and a very big country. They are going there to completely detach, play their own game. And in that, the outcome is going to be that they need us and we don't need them at all. But I don't know as yet how to get all the um, people out of the system who work for it at the moment. I do think for that there's needs that needs a bigger crash or a bigger force to play. But first step is uh, the other thing and the second step will take away. We we'll have a very spiritual attitude in this context. I can only develop if uh, somebody creates a problem for me once I've solved the problem for myself. So when I've solved the problem that I have with that person, then I don't need him anymore. Um, and then he disappears. And I uh, saw that uh, again and again in my life. In school, I was mobbed, for instance, and I solved this. And then uh, these two... Um, uh, bullies weren't there anymore all of a sudden. And I saw that again and again. If I, um, as long as we focus on these evil people, we still need them. And they distract us, I believe, from what we really want to achieve. Where do I want to move? What can I do in the world? What's going wrong uh, right now? And there's a lot of things going wrong in terms of the environment, health, uh, legally, um, particularly in Germany with. Um, the um, 
vaccination mandates and uh, the latest um, ruling by the Supreme Court, etc. So we shouldn't uh, really respond to the others anymore, just do our own things. And that's the message. Uh, and th that's the message I wanted to convey with the video. Just do your own thing. What I do in coaching is I uh, allow people to write down a, a lot of different goals. Um, and then we see it's not their own goals, it's um, external goals that were uh, imposed on them. And then they try to uh, implement them and they don't uh, get anywhere. And then they discover it and they work on their own goals and then they make progress. That's my opinion as well. Uh, I think we have very matching ideas here as long as we react. And we do react if we, for example, look at the president of the Constitutional Court, who clearly is on the other side, in my opinion, and his companions, who may not belong to the other side, but who are the typical, the prototype of the German cowards, who do not stand up and rather um, destruct democracy and the rule of law. As long as we look at these people, that's not going to get us very far. We have to get to the, our own people in the regions, and we don't need leaders. Uh, sometimes it's good uh, to have someone that shows direction so that we can say, okay, that looks like what I want to do as well. But leaders who want to take power are people we definitely don't know, no, don't need because these guys brought us to where we are. And in that sense, I'm completely with you. We've had enough of them in Germany. Uh, we uh, certainly should learn to move away from them now, from these uh, egocentrical um, power people. Sorry. At this point, I'd like to make sure that the Basis has not got the goal to do away with the parties um, because that would be non-constitutional and it's different. It touches what Mr. Benninger said by creating another consciousness into what we want to reach together and that will automatically lead to a basic democratic approach. Um, appreciating the opinion of every important individual in society and that will mean that the party system will vanish by itself. So I don't see this like getting into parliament and uh, doing away with all of that. I think it is a process of becoming aware which in its consequence will lead to the fading away of the parties and I think that's going to be the case because as it is now we have seen the uh, check of powers is fictitious. Uh, it can be taken over by particular interests, um, however you want to interpret that. And it can't be the case that we have such a weak democracy. I think we have to get to completely different uh, constellations. And I think that's going to happen because people do see that this is not really good what they have and uh, not in their favored and as Professor Desmond had said all that dissatisfaction the frustration in the people which made possible what we are seeing now um, has to do with that everything is very false and fragile as we have it now I would like to add something mr. Banningham well what's happening with the sound now sorry we have another video, COVID-19 Summit, that summarizes 
the fact that the pandemic is not yet over. We know that the pandemic never existed, but it illustrates again that if we look at these statements, the pandemic is not over, and now the leopard bite uh, comes along and the dinosaur, then we'll never have a period of calm, and we need that in order to be able to focus to do our own thing. That is the only thing that they still have to offer to interfere with our focus or concentration, to destabilize us, disorient us. I think that is the message that we also uh, got from uh, Professor Desmond. Let's focus on what's important for us rather than looking at them. Let's take a look at the video. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining together for the second global COVID-19 summit. This pandemic isn't over. But the dire reality is the pandemic is not over. But the pandemic is not over. Thank you, Madam, Pres uh, Madam Vice President. It's misguided to think this pandemic is over. The pandemic is not over anywhere until it's over everywhere. COVID-19 is not over yet. But however we might all be wishing it is, the pandemic is not over. We cannot be complacent because the pandemic is not over. But as we know all too well, the pandemic is not over. Number four, we are advocating the establishment of a more inclusive new world order. That is, from my point of view, an expression of AI. Who knows whether these people are still alive or whether they have been pieced with uh, transistors and still are not ready, not able to read from what's on their paper. So if you follow these people and listen to what they say, I think they waste your complete time. Uh, to what you said, I think we completely agree. We have to do our own thing, completely detached from what the other side tells us, because their only aim is to destabilize everything. I was. This became clear to me when I knew that the only lever for the pandemic is the PCR test, which is completely hollow. And the result, of course, is that the people who fell for it, and um, that is. Um, no offense that they really do have problems now, but uh, because due to these so-called vaccines, um, I wouldn't say they are free to be killed, but uh, they may have big problems in now or in the future. Again, there's more reason to do our own thing. There is now and in future. Now we have a, we're going to have a health problem because of the vaccination. So this has to be cleared because that's their approach. They thought they will get everybody with the health and they will get everybody to panic. Everybody's panicking to be sick or die. And that's where they came up with that panic from. And now we have to repair it as far as we can. And we surely will not be able to do that from within inside the system. It won't be possible um, until they have confiscated all our houses and all our property to pay for the damage they caused. We have to detach and start with something completely new. 
I know um, we don't want to ride the horse until it's dead, but I'm very enthusiastic about your approach, Mr. Berninger. I couldn't think of any better way, and the way you presented it, I think, um, is very asserting, um, at least the people who think the way we do. But um, I don't um, want to cut you off if there is another message that we should talk about. We have the time to do so. There's only one thing I would like to add. We have to understand what the approach of the other side was. And what I did was what you probably know as a lawyer as well. What I found is that they uh, interfere with the rhythm. So if you have a witness and you um, interfere with their flow, then uh, you can manipulate them. So we're being interfered with our flow. Uh, we are having our flow interfered with. So we will lose incredible amounts of money uh, with this uh, economic crisis. Um, I think that'll happen in a year or two, uh, where we'll have a wave where there's going to be huge um, absenteeism. Uh, we have it already now, increasing absenteeism, and uh, the economy has to deal with us then a couple of years from now. So. Um, to look at that now only and uh, to focus on that, that's the wrong thing. We have to do our own thing. We have to stop them from interfering with our flow, with our rhythm. So we have to uh, write down our goals because otherwise you uh, lose sight of them. And I think that's the only thing that we can do uh, without even um, dealing with the system in any way. Very good, very, very good, very convincing, and that takes us perfectly to our next guest, who is Julie Ventz, and she will explain to us that she actually didn't do much talking, she started her own thing, because in the US she started saying, we do not need a new uh, sickness issue or a sick system. We have that from the pharmaceutical industry. We need a new health system. That has to be put up completely anew. I met Julie at one of the Crimes Against Humanity tours. She was um, together with one of the four members of this tour. And by now, she has got reactions from, I think, 17 states. Mr. Berniger, so if we got all through, I am very grateful for you, for having you. I think we could come back to you at some point in time, because you have great approaches that have made many things much more clear to me. So I thank you again and wish you a nice weekend. Thank you very much, Dr. Fölnich and uh, uh, Dr. Fischer. Um, See you next time. Okay. Good morning, Julie. How are you doing? Good morning, Ryder. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. Um, I haven't slept enough, but that's cool. Um, <laughs> this is perfect because, you know, the, the guy, the person, Mr. Berninger, who we just spoke with, he explained to us in great detail um, he's a specialist in um, uh, AI, artificial intelligence. And he explained to us in great detail that it is probably a waste of time to fight the system because it's so thoroughly corrupted. And it's only, I suppose this is part of the message. Um, no, I'm, I don't suppose. I know this is part of the message 
And its only purpose is to destabilize and disorient us so that we don't know what we really want, so that we're going to finally listen to what they tell us. But you have broken ranks with that system, and you're setting up, you're in the process of setting up your own real healthcare system. Do you want to talk to us about it? Yes, sure. And good morning, Vivian. Nice to meet you. Hello, nice to meet you. Um, no, and what was amazing yesterday was who you had on the grand jury, the witnesses, and that mass formation psychosis, and what we're really looking at with how people's minds are being brainwashed with what's going on. And with what you said just a second ago, Reiner, it's like people are, are getting so brainwashed that they're just going to give in if people don't dissent and actually, you know, keep talking about what's, what's wrong and what's really happening. Um, so realizing everything that's happened the last couple of years and how we were helping people here in the medical systems um, try and hold their ground when the, uh, the jabs, the experimental gene therapies were coming down through the healthcare systems. And I knew what was happening and I thought we have to help these folks try and hold their ground, the doctors, the nurses, because we knew what those shots were going to do and what was coming. So we started looking at um, how could we help them with the document process? But during this process, I realized, you know, everything we were doing was just reactive. The, the, the agenda is not going to stop. The shots coming, we're not going to stop. They're still going to be pushing these, quote, vaccines, these gene therapy uh, kill shots, and needed to do something that was more proactive. And like, we have to step out of this. Over the last two years, we've learned our legal system, our judicial system, our medical system, government is all corrupt. Everything is there and nothing's fixable. It all has to dissolve and fall. So how do we become proactive and get on the other side of this? And I was talking with a friend about um, what was going on in the healthcare systems. And we're like, we need to start a new healthcare system. And I just thought this is way outside my wheelhouse. I don't have any medical background. I have you know business and organizational management, but I don't have any medical background. And she's like, how do you know that God doesn't just have you in this place and time for exactly this? And I thought, okay, I'm going to be praying on it. And it's like, all right, I can be the hands and feet. God, you'll just have to bring me the people and the pieces that put this together. And that's what started this about five months ago. And people that are coming forward that have the pieces of information to help us launch this. But as we watch the systems fall, especially the medical system, which is just a huge piece of all this because we're watching our frontline disintegrate as they force these, you know, jabs on our military for our frontline healthcare workers. And destroy everything that's happening, not only here in America, but in other countries. So that was the start of how it got going. And it started first with just the idea of stepping outside the system with uh, DPC clinics, direct primary care, and then making sure we're not uh, tagging into the beast system, which is the healthcare insurances, Medicare, Medicaid. And as each of these phases started morphing into what they would become, more and more information became apparent. So Freedom Healthcare is the system that we are launching here first in Arizona and then sharing it across the U.S. because there's other states that already want it there. And even like when you and I talked on Saturday, how do we help even across the world with this type of model? Because we have 
you know, we have our Bible where we have our God-given inalienable rights, and then we have our constitution that protects those rights. And the government overreach has just come fast and furious over the last 250 years. But how do we also help other countries with the same type of idea? So with Freedom Healthcare, we are stepping back into the private which is our rights as people and citizens and rights under our um, God-given rights, stepping back into the private outside of government touch to do what we have every right to do and the constitution protects it through our uh, ministerial associations. We're a private ministry association and our ministry is healthcare. And we will run as a ministry, basically as a type of church where donations run the administrative and startup piece of each phase. And then also each phase will be self-sufficient once it gets up and going. So that's kind of a, a quick overview. Um, your organization, Freedom Healthcare, is a private ministerial association, but that doesn't mean um, there is a lot of, uh, this is Christianity, there's spirituality, but it doesn't mean that it is, that it is exclusive, right? You, uh, you are uh, not just uh, tending to those who are members of a church, but um, you are there for everyone who is interested in this new uh, healthcare system, correct? Yes, correct. This is for everyone. Just because we're being led by God to do this, this is for everyone. So we've been looking at how our how our healthcare system has literally been killing us over the years. I look at the the evil symbiotic relationship between big food and big pharma. Food, all of our food and processed food has excess sugar. Sugar creates disease. Disease creates inflammation back and forth. And then we have big pharma that gives us drugs for that. So we've been in this Petri dish for a, you know, a couple hundred years of them feeding us crappy food and then giving us drugs to counteract it. Well, right now there's a, you know, a, a, a system of sick. Everybody's sick and they need to be given drugs to get better. We want to get back to a standard of health where we get help people get back to that true foundational place of health so they don't need doctors unless they need it. What does it look like to be taking care of people, body, mind, spirit? What does nature give us that's already out there that can help people actually stay in that place of proactive and foundational health? So this is for everyone. A lot of people are gonna stay in the beast system. This is for everyone that's ready to step out of the system and look for real health. And we've seen a huge uh, growth of people looking for something like this, especially the last two years, because everybody I know doesn't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to go to the hospital. And we know what's happening in the hospitals. I ended up getting sick last October, really sick. And I texted my daughter, pretty sure I had COVID because I was around four people that had been jabbed and boosted the day before on Friday, ended up getting sick on Saturday. And I texted my daughter saying, you know, hey, I don't feel very good. And she's like, well, just take your echinacea. You know, you've never been sick. She's 29. And I texted her a week later and I said, I'm still really sick. And she's like, you never get sick. You've never been sick in our entire life. And she goes, I'm, she lives in Tennessee. And she goes, I'm going to fly out and take you to the hospital. And I said, oh, no, you're not because they'll kill me. I'm not going in there. 
So I will do whatever it takes to heal from home, take the ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, everything that I had available to pull out of this and come out with great antibodies. But people do not trust the current system. They don't trust their doctors. The doctors have been trained to follow this uh, prescription uh, protocol that's been, you know, drugs and here's what you do. Nobody's getting down to that base level of where's the actual health issues coming from. And that's where we need to get to. And the doctors, the scientists, the people that are helping behind the scenes bring this information forward, even the products and the technology that's out there that's been hidden from us and new information and products that are coming out that actually have healing capabilities. And there's people working on them and we're going to bring them out. We're going to make them available and we're not going to do it through the existing system. We are going to step outside and create this parallel system, which is where uh, the four phases of freedom healthcare are going to come into play. Um, you just mentioned that your daughter explained to you, oh, maybe I should take you to the hospital. And you said, no, I'm never going to go there because they're going to kill me. This is really what we've come to because you're not the only one who thinks that way. We, um, this is a few months ago, uh, we had um, someone from the UK with us. He's an undertaker, you may have heard of him, uh, John O'Looney. And he precisely, he shares your view, but he shares your view because he had a very personal experience. They did try to take him to the hospital. I mean, they did take him to the hospital and they did try to kill him. They really did try to kill him. Uh, put him on a respirator, for example. There's two other people in his room um, to whom they really did that, and they died. And he was fortunate enough to get out of the hospital and was thus saved. But this is a, this is a belief that quite a few people, in particular in the United States, have, had, have held for a long time. Do not fall into their hands because they're going to kill you. Um, this is something But now in the context of what we're seeing of how the pharmaceutical industry has taken over and is dominating everything and is really the ones who are driving the uh, injections with experimental um, drugs, which have never been tested. If you look at what's really going on, if you look at all the side effects, then you realize these people, including you, of course, or John O'Looney, cannot be that far off the mark. Uh, that is definitely, and that's why I'm saying this, this system is, is collapsing. It is self-destructive. It is right now, it is collapsing. And that's why we need to not look at that system anymore, but rather focus on what we need. And I think one of the pillars, it's a kind of a back to the roots approach, right? You want natural medicine to return. You want people to be treated so that they don't even have to see a doctor. Exactly, exactly. And what you were talking to about the, the gentleman who is also seeing this, um, we have people on the inside, we have doctors and nurses that are still inside the system trying to help other doctors and nurses see what's going on. But we know that people are being killed in there. We know when the CDC changed the death certificates and how things were kept track of, we know the money that's changing hands. And we know that they're actually killing people with, you know, the remdesivir and the venting. And we know people are worth money in the hospitals. And all of this last two years for the hospital has been about money and 
you know, whether or not people want to believe that it's global genocide. There's an agenda behind this, and we have to help people see there is a way to true health and out of the system. And you're right. Just, you know, I was, I was never even thought I'd be doing anything like this. I had a nice little tiny life with my dog. I didn't like politics or history or, you know, getting involved with anything. And then going down, finding out the information two and a half years ago, starting to go down the rabbit hole and understanding what's really happening behind the scenes and the agenda that's going on. And you're right from watching the legal system, trying to find attorneys to help us take down the state of emergency in Arizona, um, looking at the judicial system, our state of emergency is still up here in Arizona after three sessions of our legislative body refusing to hold our governor accountable and take it down. And it's up still in every state. And we understand what's going on with the WHO Constitution and all of the pieces of information to move us towards this one world government and one world order. Well, we won't comply. We have to step out of the systems that are crumbling and create these new systems where we're focusing on um, medical. We know Anna, who's part of the grand jury and her love of the judicial and legal system. She's also part of us. She's out front as our legal front. Um, and then we have food and there's other pillars that we have to step out and into to get people back into community. It was something, I was at an event about six, seven months ago, and Dinesh D'Souza was speaking, and he made a comment towards the end of the event, and he goes, we're at a place now in America where things are going to have to change. He goes, we're going to have to create an America within America. We're going to have to create a new America. And when he made that statement, <clears throat> it was kind of like a brick over my head going, all right, this is our Berlin Wall moment. This is not a physical division. This is a division of people where it is dividing us across the board from people that see and the people that can't see, but we have to continue to love the people that can't see and keep explaining to them what's going on. But we have to get ahead of this. As this system falls, we have to be ahead of it and ready to take care of people with healing technology and the products that are out there and help them understand what foundational health looks like. Um, and each of the phases, even with Freedom Healthcare, it started with the idea of just to run a clinic. But uh, it's now at a place where there's four different phases. The first actual phase um, is telehealth, in-home visits, and pre- and postnatal care, because we know how important it is to help women have babies that are healthy and let them choose to have it at home. We've also learned what the vaccines are doing, and that's not something we're going to incorporate, especially after hearing Judy talk on Saturday and how long this has been going on with is direct primary care clinics with concierge options and urgent care fusions. The third phase will be micro hospitals, and the fourth phase stemmed from being contacted by um, a lot of nurses uh, when all of this was going down last fall where they had to get the experimental gene therapy and couldn't finish their schooling. They couldn't finish their clinicals. And I was getting calls and emails going, where do we go? What do we do? And I tried to give them some ideas, but they couldn't go anywhere without taking that shot. I thought we have got to create new nursing schools, new medical schools. We have to get people back to a place of what does foundational health look like? 
God provides everything in nature. What does that look like? We've been, you know, our doctors have been trained, and I think that's why they're more blind than anybody. They've been trained since the late 1800s in the Rockefeller and Rothschild system of we're just going to give you drugs and this is what we're going to teach you. We're not going to teach you about health. We're not going to take you down to the molecular level. We're just going to teach you to, to give drugs because that's what we're going to do. So the last phase, phase four, will be training centers, nutrition, sports and wellness, um, uh, pharmacy with and with an F, not VH pharmacy, but you know, branded nutraceuticals, herbs, um, the training centers, lab and research. So this is something as we take this and create this model that we can duplicate the whole idea is just duplicate it, share with other states and then share it around the world. Everyone will be able to do this, but they have to step out of the system. I mean, in America, the health system that I think it was especially perverted, you know, also with the, the amount of money that you'd have to pay, like for a simple doctor's visit. I, I know this from a friend who had a baby in America. And then just to go for a checkup where they basically like just take and check the, the uh, you know, the pulse and like looked at the baby like $500. I mean, who's going to be able to pay it this kind of money? Of course, then maybe you have like a, a plan, but that only applies if you have a job. And I mean, all these things, a lot of restrictions. And that in addition to a really, as we now <clears throat> or realize a really bad service, you know, because it was not like, as you said, like focusing on really making you healthy, but like rather continuing some sort of um, unpleasant state. Yeah, at least like uh, from a lot of the things. I mean, there might be also might have been. I mean, there are some good things. I think some some uh, things that work also in in the, uh, you know, the whatever the the current health system and i think it's also a good idea to look at the stuff that works and maybe incorporate that into a new system but then all the other things that sometimes even work better or like with less damages less side effects they also need to be like integrated but in at the same level of appreciation exactly exactly and that's the goal i mean we are not going to have just standard um, allopathic physicians and doctors this will be alternative natural paths, everything, whatever is right for that person to find their way back to health is what's going to be available. Um, and what you're saying about the babies is true. So the person that has created behind the scenes, we have a whole bunch of people behind the scenes sharing their time, getting this up and going. And the person that has helped create the pre and postnatal care was someone who created it for a very large system and is creating it for ours because when she talked about it, she goes, this was the funnest time of my life was creating this and working this in the big system. But we've even created it because we're taking it back into the private where it's not only comparable, but less expensive than being in the existing system. And when I started learning more, you know, mine's more of a business background, but when we were sitting around talking about um, just me trying to understand from the medical point of view what's going on and the cost. So we had a conversation and I asked one of our uh, emergency room doctors, I said, so if you have a, a procedure that's done in the emergency room, like how much do you get off of it? Like how much do you make? And she said about 20 to 30%, but then they have to cover their billing and their other costs. And I said, so where did the other 30% go? 
Well, it goes to the hospital and the insurance companies. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And then I had a cardiologist. I said, okay, for a procedure that you might do $5,000, $10,000, what do you get? And he said $190. And when I heard these numbers, I got really huh. excited because that means the system is sucking up so much money for profit, for million-dollar CEO salaries, for all of this information and stuff that's going out, we can create um, the drug primary care and the clinics and everything else at a reasonable cost, private pay, and even people that have insurance now, they may be paying $800 a month just for their insurance, maybe at one of the big ones, you know, United Healthcare, Cigna, whatever, and then they still have a huge deductible. Well, all that money is just going to the insurance company and they're still paying out of pocket. When it comes to that place, I'm like, we can make this really affordable for people and still be able to grow it and expand it to get people that place of, of that standard of health that we want to get them back to. So it's, it's really exciting knowing that we're going to be able to do more and do better outside of the system than even what's happening inside. And you're right, there's a lot of great stuff that's in there, but there's a lot of stuff that they won't allow, especially through big pharma and everything else and the, and the FDA that has said, no, you can't use that or no, we won't allow it because they're part of the big money, you know, changers that are taking all the profits. There's things out there that heal. I'm in contact with people that have products that are actually healing, even the things that we're dealing with now and the other things that may be coming that we're hearing about, there are things that heal. The other thing I have part of our team working on is making this really different from anything that's out there is we're gonna become an aggregator of information. So as we start pulling in information of if you have a, a back issue, or you might have heart issues, whatever it is, we'll have that information available and what would be a natural way to take care of it, or where would they go for information, or start having affiliate partners that we know have quality sourcing that we can direct people to, to go, okay, this is where you would go, here's the information, and this will uh, be up on our website probably in the next month or so. So we've come really far in the last five months with putting this idea and model together. And at this point, it really is just a matter of funding um, and donations because we run like a ministry. So everything comes from and launches with the donations that come forth. But it's, it's pretty exciting. God's doing some pretty cool stuff bringing people together. Yeah, I think it's really well, important that you it... have access to the right information because sometimes you see even online when you are trying to find information yourself, you know, and then you see um, <clears throat> that there's um, sometimes uh, like even uh, it looks like a trap, you know, um, information that is supposed to get you off that that track, basically. Like, for instance, I mean, it seems that fasting is quite good for you, you know, not eating for a while. And that's been used in I, I, I heard that it 
it's like in Russia, it's a, it's something that they have been focusing on for a long time. So when you look at that, then you immediately like find information, for instance, that you then develop a bad smell or like you get sweaty feet or something. I mean, it's, I get the feeling. I mean, this is so okay. It's a, maybe a minor problem if you have something severe that you could like deal with that. But maybe it's not even true because people told me that they have been fasting and that wasn't a problem. And so it seems that it might be even placed there in order to kind of, um, you know, disencourage you to to look further into that because you get immediately, ooh, that's gross. I don't want to look into that. And that might be true for other things as well, you know. So so I think it's really important to get like a put together a lot of information so people get like a true um are able, you know, to to really decide for themselves. Like, I mean, take an informed decision, what they want to do. Right, and it, and it's their decision. We're, we provide the information, provide the alternative practices, provide what they want, um, but it's up to them. But they, we help them along the way with our concierge advocates. We help them find the best place or the best um, practitioner that's right for them but it's also whole body it's not only body it's mind and spirit everybody's been extremely anxious over the last two years you look at what everything has been done through fear and media and how that also affects our our bodies and then you look at the spiritual piece of it everything works together so we need to be helping people with all of it to help them get to that place of healing and when you're talking about the this sweaty feet, it made me think about, we have one of our um, doctors behind the scenes who's created a process and a protocol that we'll be integrating where it really gets us down to the base data points of what's wrong in our systems and where everything stems. The, the uh, big pharma has just been giving us band-aids with these uh, drugs and then another drug for the side effect for that drug. Well, most of the things come down to what's happening in our gut, in our biome, and then as well, what might be happening with the bacteria in our mouth, how, what, how dementias affect maybe our teeth. There's a process that we're gonna be, have available to integrate where people will get all the way down to that base level, start at that base level and find their way out of health. And I've even been a guinea pig on this process and it's working. So it's really cool to see all the things that are out there that, that we haven't known about. The, I, I think uh, it, it is worth reading the motto which uh, Corvin has written up of your Freedom Healthcare. It says that healthcare that is nature-based and focused on our perfect God-given immune system. We strive to promote health through a body-mind-spirit approach. So that's a holistic approach, and I think that is what they've been trying to uh, destroy the unity of body and mind and spirit. That's what they've been trying to destroy and you're focusing on that. Um, something that I think is extremely important is to look at you as a person uh, because many people say, think that they can't do anything. I don't know anything, I'm a nobody. Yeah, really. Now, you're not a healthcare specialist, but um, you are you have a marketing de degree from Oregon State University, and of course, you're the founder of Arizona Stands Up, Americans for Truth and Freedom. But I, I think it's important to get the message across that anyone, anyone, everyone can do something because they all know something. They all have a special ability. Like you picked healthcare. 
I don't know, uh, probably because you realize that that's what they're using as a crowbar to get us under control, and there must be a better way. And apparently, you little person, you you don't you're not no one. No one is no one, but you little person have um, have been so successful that now you you you're getting positive responses from I don't know 17 states or so. Is that correct? Yeah, we're up to 15, 16 states now. And, it, and it's been helpful because, you know, like you and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and some of the other podcasts and radio shows that I've been able to get the information out to is like, we just need to let people know what we're doing so they can help us help them. This is for, this is for the people by the people. We're not, you know, we're just, we're just little people just trying to make a difference. Like we have in the last couple of years, getting the information out, um, what you guys do with the truth and getting the information out around the world. Everybody has to step up and do something. They have to take a stand somewhere, pick it. I'll have people um, call me going, oh my gosh, what should we do? What should we do? And I'm like, first, you need to be praying about what you're supposed to do. Ask God what you're supposed to do. Second, start something, start a farm, start a co-op, start a restaurant, start, you know, uh, an event center, do it in the private. We need to be stepping out and creating these private membership associations, which protect us from all government oversight. And it'll be, it'll be fun as we step into, you know, going across the world and how do we help other people in other places? We at least have our constitution where the PMAs are protected under our first, fourth, ninth, 10th, and 14th amendment. We have those protections, um, but people have to step up and do something. And, and it's like, you're right, Reiner, it's like, I'm nobody, but God's like, go here, do this, you know, follow where you're getting led and do it. And it just happened to be the idea of freedom healthcare, but he's bringing all the people together to make it happen. I'm just the hands and feet, that's it. I'm just the hands and feet, helping put it together and, and take it forward. I think it's also very important to show people that it's attractive to be in the new system. You know, I mean, if you find like more health um, in, in a new system, like maybe with even simpler um, methods, you know, that's a very attractive thing to to uh, to see also like in real life, because like sometimes people, maybe they think, um, oh, this sounds back to, to the roots. That sounds like as if we have to all sit by the fireplace and like, um, um, I don't know, only eat uh, what we can uh, you know the mushrooms that we can find in the in the woods and we cannot go uh, and build a hut ourselves or like i don't know like i mean i think there's so many many things that um we can still do and i think it's going to be a lot of fun you know in the end it's just a, a really nasty transition phase but i think it's important that people see examples um where people actually have the chance to profit from, you know, for their own good, like to see that they're, for instance, in the health sector, that they get better and that they ha can have fun together and, and do all these things that are really nice and that that's, you know, that's um, adequate for us human beings and not only see it, oh, we lose whatever we feel is, uh, you know, what we've had for such a long time. We're so accustomed to that. And it's really, there's more. You know, there's more behind it, and there's better things, uh, you know, uh, behind the dark cloud that we, that's now around us. <laughs> you're right. You're We're dealing with that dark cloud. But um, I talked to a woman who's getting involved. And she lives in Washington State, so there's another state that wants to get involved. 
And we've been talking about, you know, the communities and, and creating smaller communities and getting people together. There's a lot of groups out there. They may be called preppers or not preppers, but people are seeing what's coming. They're seeing what's happening and they're getting prepared. So the more we can create smaller communities, maybe where we live, within our neighborhoods or our cities, um, and start bringing people together, but then there's those base pieces that need to be covered as we as we watch the food shortages commence as we watch the other you know as they continue down this you know one world order who constitution what they're trying to do um we need to bring people together uh in smaller communities grow community gardens um have the health care in a smaller scale like i've told people we don't want to be big like all of these big corporations that are out there we just want to be everywhere we want to be small tight and everywhere to help people in different communities whatever that looks like and it's going to be different everywhere because there's different practitioners um there's different alternative methods but the more we can get it out to people um and bring them on board is is huge so whether it's help you know we're looking for you know help from people in other states uh, practitioners that want to step out of the system, um, nurses that want out of the step out of the system. We're starting to get applications across the the U.S. from people that want to get involved. They can do that on our website. The website's freedom-healthcare.us. So freedom-healthcare.us, um, and then helping us. You know, like anything else in our in societies. Uh, everything jump starts with donations. So that's the, the biggest thing. We're a ministry. We'll run like a ministry. Everything's uh, tax deductible. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. We've stepped out of the government touch, but people that donate, they actually can take a tax write-off or a tax deduction if they want. So we, we've chosen something, doing a lot of research into our private membership associations and what our constitution protects and what SCOTUS protects um our our supreme court and the laws that have been set down in the court cases that were set down how we're protected so we, we feel really good about what we're doing where we're going how people can help us and how we can help them because everything we're doing is for everybody else everything we're doing is for is for you julie i think you're the absolutely perfect and right person to do this job uh, i think this is extremely inspiring and I'm saying this full well knowing that you have some experience in Europe as well. Uh, you used to live, uh, you spent some time in uh, Austria. And, um, and I think it is very obvious that we must take our cues from the US because once again, it is the US that is at the forefront of liberty and freedom. And you're not wasting any time setting up working groups that have endless discussions, but rather actions speak louder than words so i'm extremely grateful for what you're doing and i know that this is catching this is also going to catch on in germany and in austria and maybe uh, some of the people who are um like-minded uh will forget about the hierarchies the working groups and all the endless discussions that always st stand in the way of action get rid of the system we're the 99 percent they're not even one percent including all the puppets that they have they're not even one percent no, you're right. And, and we were talking about um, being in Wien and living in Austria for six months. I remember the one, one or two times, but one of the times we took a cab because I had to take my daughters to a soccer match. And the cab driver was actually a doctor. 
And, and he was telling us his, his background stuff. I'm like, why are you driving a cab? Why are you driving a cab? And he goes, because I can't make enough money in the system. So the socialized system, here's this doctor with this incredible knowledge and degree, and he's driving a cab because he can't make, he can't make ends meet. And that blew me away thinking, okay, our, you know, and this was back in 2007, 2008, like, okay, our, our system is definitely good here in the U.S., but now as we look at the last two years and what we're now awake to of what's actually been happening to us for the last 40 decades, if not more, we have to get to a place to help people outside of the existing beast system. We have to step out because they're out to get us, they're out to destroy us. And we have to bring people back to that place of health. And one of our doctors that's helping behind the scenes with this process, I'm like, this is awesome. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna be able to help people and and serve more. And he goes, he's like, Julie, he goes, we're gonna get it to a point where people don't need doctors. I'm like, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. We want people to be at that place of foundational health that they can take care of themselves with. They know their body. They know what's wrong. They're eating correctly. They're not eating crappy processed food. They're getting some exercise. They have a place of good spirituality and their body is foundationally set. Good. That means that we can bring more people into freedom healthcare because we we're getting everybody healthy, which is where we want to go. And we know we're not going to help everybody all at once because the system has been giving people drugs for so long, but it's, it's a start and it's going to be fun. Like Vivian said, it's going to be fun as we move forward to see how this morphs into something that it can be. And as we run parallel with other new systems, whether it's education, food, uh, legal and judicial, since we're in a place right now where there's no more rules, we've been watching everything happen. There's no rules. Our government's doing what they want. The international government's doing what they want. And at this point, and our local governments or state governments, since there's no more rules, we get to create the new rules. It's now up to us as the people to create the new rules. So we're taking over. We're stepping out and doing what we need to do to take care of people. And we are going to now create the rules. That's a very good yeah. motto. This is a tipping point. Yeah, it's a tipping point. If, there's, if there are no rules, then this is our chance. And this is where we step in. And this is great. It's a, it's a great thing you're doing this. And uh, we'll be in touch, Julie. We'll definitely be in touch because I know this is going to catch on everywhere, especially your spirit is going to catch on everywhere. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you, Reiner. Thank you, Vivian. Thanks so much. See you guys later. See you later. Reiner. Bye-bye. Das ist wirklich der wilde Westen hier. Völlig rechtsfreier Raum. Und yeah. wir It's a uh, space without uh, law um, and we can create everything from scratch again. Wolfgang, can you hear us? You have to unmute yourself. I just managed, yes. Well, Wolfgang, what do you say on this? You are in favor of uh, changing all of this, 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 how can we say this, uh, um, how everything has been stuck together. Yes, it has been modified over the last 20 years deliberately. Our 
um, system used to be a system of solidarity where um, people got together in smaller local or regional health insurance companies. We had thousands of them, 8,000 of them. And uh, they were different. Some had more money, others had less. But they all worked according to the same rules and uh, laws. And then it turned out that um, there were some cherry pickers. Uh, some people had the uh, healthy ones that were profitable, and the others had the sick, uh, and that they were not profitable. And that's how things turned out. But that, all that started, started by opening the health insurances where everybody could go to each health insurance, making them competitors. And that has made them uh, corporates, really, in competition. And now they try not to have any sick people having no risks and um, so they have a they came up with a risk scorecard but the uh, differences um, of the profits were high um, uh, some uh, would have had to take 10 20 percent more than others and uh, so that was balanced off the bit um, with only three four percent differences between the health insurances but still that made some of them go bust and uh, then there was a great trick they came up with in which one of the actors who did the advertising for that was Mr. Lauterbach, by the way, our current health minister, who came up with that structural balance. That means the health insurance insurers had to see, they had to assess how sick their um, people were um, individually. That's what they didn't need to do before. They only need to look at the overall, overall uh, score. And uh, now, um, suddenly, they had to know precisely is that someone with diabetes who needs insulin? Is that someone who has some damage in the uh, in the eyes or in the um, cardio system? And there was a compensation for this load of disease. And that's what we have now. And that is the excuse for centralizing the, cent the patient's data centralized. That's a massive data industry living of that. And that is something that Mr. Spahn has uh, taken over by changing the law so that he um, put someone from the pharma industry there to manage this and who built up the data highway, putting more uh, more data in. And now the uh, green card is another point, electric uh, or electronic uh, um, a sickness leave um, report um, generate that and um, all the doctors got a little machine in their um, in their practice where they had all the data in and uh, then they could collect the data of the insurance card from the patients and the, the doctors had to put in the data many doctors didn't like that sometimes that was only there was resistance there was a resistance for financial reasons because of the work and the money but some actually fought this back because they thought that would that uh, destroys the relationship of trust between me and my patient if i send this data to some central uh, 
uh, memory, which I can't control, which is above all a private-public partnership. And uh, that has been given for eight years um, with a contract to Bertelsmann, Avato. That's a private company doing, running all the technology. That's a big international corporate. And uh, they, um, what, what they do with the data, who knows? So the data protection um, person of the uh, federal government uh, caused great uh, protest, but uh, um, they just let him run off. And uh, now with the European approach, the so-called Green Pass for Europe, um, that is even brought further forward. But these were the first steps. That's how it started and all lived of the so-called neutralization of the competitive effects between the health insurances. So the competition, um, creating the competition was the reason to collect the data and that uh, putting solidarity communities in competition is the greatest stupidity you can think of. That's fascinating to hear. The point was, uh, the question is, was that intended from the start or whether that's a reflex? That is the lever that was clearly the lever to destabilize the solidarity system. What we are trying to get back to is something that we've had before. And uh, the um, government, the corporate um, health insurances um, are a reminiscent of this. Um, big companies can have their own health insurance, and only the people who are working with the company with that uh, do that. And uh, if it was a good company with the young people who were earning a lot of money, they were good. And uh, now um, it's not thousands. Um, we've got less than 100 public health insurers, uh, and the concentration process is carrying on. Ulla Schmidt, when she was health minister, she said it's enough to have four. So it's like everywhere in economics, if we have a monopoly and um, only a few players, oligarchs, they can easily uh, find their way and their agreement. Uh, they won't do much different if it's only a couple of uh, the big uh, food corporations, telecommunications corporations, energy corporations, or waste. We've only got four or five big corporates that um, handle the European market and uh, the health insurances are brought in that same way. And the managers thought they did a great job um, because they were economic specialists now um, to bring all of that together. And we're not talking about solidarity, we talk about health insurance. And they do business with uh, pharmaceutical industry as well. Um, Obama had made a proposal to first um, uh, vaccine uh, the MRNR with for the weak and and the handicap first they came up with a priority list and they put the put those on top of the list they wanted to get rid of first um, so I was thinking if they did a euthanasia list that was cruel uh, people with chronic diseases MS trisomy uh, 21 that cost a lot of money for the whole of their lives, were at the top of that list. And, and they were excluded from the clinical studies, and they definitely didn't know what effect the drugs would have on them. 
yeah, even with all the preconditions that they'd all had, um, cruel. Wolfgang, however, you want to talk to us about new findings in that hepatitis uh, cases, and you wanted to talk about the monkeypox. Yes, there is new uh, beasts uh, from the horror circuits of Professor Osterhaus um, collecting the viruses. Not only he, uh, they are collected everywhere now. We've heard the bio labs everywhere that are kept in secret, uh, subterraneous even, or some open. Um, they live of getting money uh, of, on research, and they live of us being afraid of viruses. And if they find out things uh, that they, um, things that we don't have to be scared of, so um, it's good. It's best to do that with the defendants. Bioterrorism, that's what we have to fight against, and that's why the pox viruses, they are extinct, really. Uh, since the 17th, you don't have to be vaccinated anymore. Um, they're not there, but they still exist in some laboratories. And of course, it's not only those that have uh, um, that go onto humans. There's different specific uh, types, and the monkeypox um, uh, are transferable to some mammals, not all mammals. So they have uh, some hosts, and the others. Uh, other hosts are only taken in special circumstances, so you have to have a weak immune system um, to be infected with that. And now the question is, is there any laboratories who um, modify these? I'm not aware of that, but I do know the people have been modified by now, that immunity, the immune system of the people has been changed by the mRNR injections, and that the mRNR has been transcribed in many cases, and now that this is written into the genome, and that means certain signal paths are switched off, and that means our immune system is weakened more with each additional injection that we get, and the risk of catching an immune disease um, increases, and millions of people have been genetically changed that way, and uh, what really was put into these people, what genes have been switched off, um, we don't know, and uh, we've found out that there is, it could be a risk that uh, certain diseases um, in some people who don't have certain genes um, are more frequent. So the West Nile fever, fever is something that's coming up. Uh, suddenly there are cases in Saxonia, Thuringia, um, uh, that is transferred by uh, mm, mosquito bites. Um, this was around before in Eastern Europe, uh, a couple of the cases in Germany as well. And in Greece, there were 60 cases even, most cases. Uh, there were some in Portugal, and uh, horses have this as well. And this West Nile fever, we know people are more receptible to this if a certain gene is switched off. That could be inheritable. But if we do see now that many people um, have a change in the genes, and we don't know which gene is switched off, then that's not utopia. 
Um, nobody knows whether that can be relevant or not. So I can imagine that the fear mongerers, uh, the people who make the money with the fear, that they um, very much think of this as an opportunity. It's all tried out uh, in bio uh, bioterrorism. Um, research. Of course, we have to have people who uh, look for that. By the way, um, Gates um, let flew a, a couple of thousand of mosquitoes in a TED show. Um, so these are mosquitoes that can be used as vaccination mosquitoes. And in Burkina Faso, there is a big uh, research. Um, the villages that were um, subject to that um, didn't know that uh, there were some artificial mosquitoes to replace the um, the natural mosquitoes. Um, um, what they did in consequences, um, nobody talks about that. There's not much information. I didn't get any information on that, at least. So these things are done in secret. There's patents, of course. So one could look at this, what that is. And uh, that's what business is made with. That's uh, new diseases. They were just invented before. We said, oh, uh, losing hair could be a new disease. You can do something against this. And there is, um, there is a drug for that. Now they make us sick to sell us the drugs. That is criminal madness. And if they force us to uh, take the things um, that's all in test stadium, all gene technology, the experiments that are being done with the artificial RNA, that's not natural RNA. It's a gene synthetically created sequence with lipid nanoparticles, adenoviruses, or other vectors that are brought into our bodies that change our genome. Some are transcribed, some mRNA uh, sections are transcribed into RNA. RNA um, that will be in the genome and that can be inherited. Uh, but what that is and what that does, there's only um, spotlight studies um, with some patients, but in the masses, that uh, is difficult to oversee. And they seem to be at competition with this. Um, one of them focuses on one virus and the you know, other person takes another one and they all see their opportunity when Ebola um, was, wasn't stopped in Africa. That could have been stopped quickly, but they didn't do so. So they took opportunity to do studies and Mark Chapeau was the first one there to come up with a vector of vaccination. Otherwise, they couldn't have tested it. So. Um, if some, if there is an outbreak, they use it as an opportunity to do experiments. And now we get these shots, these jabs, and it's a massive experiment. And uh, God knows who, what they um, are trying out. Maybe investors know in part, Bill Gates may know. That's very, very intransparent. And our institutes that should control this um, are happy with the information they get from the producers. And uh, coming back to the hepatitis cases that are found in England, that was uh, reported first there by end of May. It was 168 cases, if I remember properly. And these uh, cases in um, 
children and adult, uh, adolescents below 16 years, there was a research program which I looked at, and you think um, it became apparent that, especially in the children, there was lots of children below the age of five in it, and of course most weren't vaccinated, so maybe 10% or 15% of these groups are vaccinated, and uh, in some there was a positive PCR test that was only 10, 13, maybe a few only, um, but the most of them, what they found, that had this severe hepatitis without the hepatitis virus, they found adenoviruses and uh, in the most number of the cases. And the pathological uh, picture of this hepatitis was uh, T8 cell dominated. Those were uh, T8 killer cells. Uh, that uh, attack the liver there, just like is the case in autoimmune uh, diseases. And that may very well have something to do with uh, the technical uh, modifications. Uh, autoimmune uh, diseases are um, one of the things that we would expect um, by um, these um, genetically manipulated um, things. Um, for instance, like the uh, mRNA, um, vaccines. Now, these children weren't vaccinated, but in, in the UK, um, AstraZeneca was mostly, most widely used. And AstraZeneca uses adenoviruses. I looked at the research uh, documentation again, and it's very vague. It describes very vaguely the methodologies um, used to preclude the, uh, um, the um, replication of these viruses were described, but they weren't verified. And um, the authorities accepted the man uh, manufacturer's description. That was acceptable. And at another point, I looked like, what would happen if they did replicate after all? Then they would be adenoviruses that can be infectious. And children under five have close physical contact with their parents, particularly the mothers, um, if um, they're still being breastfed, uh, breastfed. And, and I found that, yes, of course, um, adenoviruses can be passed, uh, passed on through um, the mother's milk. And this has been um, shown in animal tests. So, if I wanted to clarify this, and this uh, British program is supposed to uh, clarify this, and worldwide there are supposed to be uh, more than 450 um, children who have this, 11 livers have been transplanted in the UK alone based on these, or because of these hepatitises, they're very severe diseases. In uh, Belgium, an um, adult was um, examined who had the same um, disease, and they actually created the link uh, to the um, uh, vaccination, and they said that after such a, a vaccination, this uh, T8 cell hepatitis may occur. They only have one case, of course, which doesn't say a lot uh, much, but they uh, contributed the histological uh, data, and with the children, the liver is destroyed by the TL killer cells. That's a severe hepatitis. 
they um, develop extreme liver value, liver values, uh, fall seriously ill. Many of them had to uh, be taken to ICUs. Nearly 10% uh, of them, just under 10%, uh, required a liver transplant. So they needed liver uh, tissue from someone else that still works. You don't need to transplant the entire liver. But in the case of the uh, liver, you can uh, simply transplant part of it. And uh, luckily, this has worked with most of the children, but they require immunosuppressants, etc., after a transplant. And that leads to all those complications that come along um, with these um, transplants. So these children are probably have um, lifelong damages, uh, and of course, um, they uh, suffer from uh, jaundice as well. Um, but of course, it uh, it starts with hepatitis. That's with the children. And if the British authorities um, followed up on this, um, the first thing I'd do was, uh, were the parents vaccinated? Because it started with the vaccination campaign simultaneously, just after. Uh, the first uh, cases were reported in January. It started earlier, but uh, the first uh, cases were reported in January, and it's not over yet. Uh, more children keep being added because uh, all of them haven't been diagnosed yet, and uh, it's still um, uh, ongoing, and this seems to be relevant, and that is um, one uh, form of shedding that with this vector um, uh, vaccine, AstraZeneca, was taken off the market uh, immediately. Did they know what was going on there? Uh, suddenly, it was only a license for uh, old people, and uh, Norway took it off uh, the market immediately, and the, all the Scandinavian uh, countries did that very quickly. And I think that's interesting for lawyers from the UK and from Ireland and Spain, Italy, where uh, there are cases where uh, children develop this disease. And the lawyers should, if they were actually administered uh, AstraZeneca, they should uh, sue the company for damages. And then the company has to prove that they did everything they could to avoid damage. And they have to um, public uh, to um, publicize their data. So I think it's very important to um, follow up on this. Why did all these children develop hepatitis? They all, normally, they don't do that. Could that uh, result from a hepatitis vaccination? That there are some that are fitted with this without knowing? Well, I was focusing on one uh, possible uh, cause. There are other toxicological um, possible causes. And there are uh, also possible immunological causes. And we know that the hepatitis uh, vaccination itself, when it was established, also led to severe uh, damages, also to autoimmune uh, system uh, damages. So we don't know what's in the hepatitis vaccines, but we know that nearly all children are vaccinated against hepatitis A and hepatitis B. And this um, multiple vaccine uh, vaccine includes this hepatitis vaccine. And um, we have to follow up on uh, the possibility of um, that being the cause for 
these complications, but there are hardly any children who don't get um, this vaccine anymore. In Czech, in the Czech Republic, for instance, you have to have uh, your children vaccinated, uh, otherwise you can't send them to school. So there is this uh, vaccination mandate for the other vaccines as well, and they're not all harmless. And uh, then we have to look at these other vaccinations as well, and they're also uh, moving towards genetic um, uh, versions because they're so cheap to make, so easy to make, and there are so many attempts to um, fight different diseases by modifying us genetically. Wolfgang, we've got this video showing Mr. Lauterbach, whom you know quite well, that who thinks that there is a very realistic exercise being carried out with a le leopard leopard bite. Is that realism? I said before we in the US, I can do that myself. I'm fitted with everything. I got dinosaurs here. They should be able to do a dinosaur bite. What's, what's that? Is that serious? Or is that uh, just uh, <coughs> pulling our legs? Well, there's um, cat pox as well. Um, some can cause disease in several mammals, others are very uh, specialized. But what Mr. Lauterbach is um, thinking of when he, when he was talking about his uh, predator there, I'm not sure. There are uh, considerations. There was a vaccine that they tried to make a vaccine in uh, 2019 against the monkeypox. And, well, I think that this is something that, oh, yes, uh, funny enough, very importantly, at the security conference in Munich in uh, 2021, so last year, they uh, performed a theoretical exercise. Funny enough, uh, it was about the question um, of what we would do if there is an outbreak of monkeypox. So exactly what we're now uh, hearing. So the story that they said on the 6th of June 2022, it was um, presented by the speakers for those who were to uh, participate in the exercise. So. There will be a large outbreak of monkeypox on the 6th of uh, June of 2022 in an imaginary country. You can read it up, it's all on the internet. And it's documented very well on the, from the security conference in Munich. And they said, oh, we don't have a vaccine there. And then the whole thing comes along, we start testing again. By the way, Mr. Drosten, as early as 2004, developed PCR tests and uh, suggested them for monkeypox, arguing that, well, they could be used for viral terrorism, for bioterrorism, and this uh, Munich security conference is a military conference, of course, and they used it as an example of, uh, well, what they're scaring us uh, with, now we're trying to, uh, that there are cases of monkeypox left, right, and center, and Mr. Lauterbach was maybe um, um, off track, maybe he confused uh, leopards with, with monkeys. Some uh, monkeys have spots as well. Well, but the cases observed now in the UK, those were outbreaks with people 
um, those were men who had intercourse with other men, and these um, pox uh, uh, first occurred in Italy. That was interesting to hear as well. So these pox are only uh, transmitted uh, through close contact. Sexual contact is, of course, very close contact. And it it's, uh, um, generates um, these little um, blisters um, that can burst and then um, spread the disease. But you have to really smear it on your uh, uh, body in order to uh, get infected. Um, we know it from smallpox, sorry, from um, chickenpox. Um, most of us have had them. Uh, children, um, little children now are, are being vaccinated. They don't get that anymore. But uh, chickenpox are, uh, they have very different stages. Uh, some start with small little dots. Others have big um, um, pustules um, and the smallpox that have um, gone extinct. Uh, all blisters look the same. And with uh, monkeypox, they uh, look the same. They occur simultaneously, but usually are concentrated on certain uh, parts of the body where the contact occurred. And if it was sexual contact, then we you have it on the genitals. How many people had these monkeypox at all? Is it a relevant figure? Well, rare zoonoses. Um, um, rare cases where somebody caught it somewhere abroad, very rare cases. And the other diseases, uh, this Western Nile fever, um, there was this, um, at the end of the 90s, uh, there were some outbreaks in, the, in some um, U.S. states, but the maximum was um, 9,000 cases, and then it's... Um, uh, reduced, uh, it went back, and in 2014 there was another outbreak where there were like 4,000, but otherwise there's only um, umpteen cases in each uh, single year, and it's even much less with um, the uh, monkeypox. Um, it's um, The West Nile fever is uh, transmitted by insects, by um, uh, mosquitoes, and the other by uh, direct physical contact. I saw on the RKRI website the reason may be that immunization against pox is not uh, effective anymore. You said it's quite strange because hardly anybody is vaccinated against pox anymore. It was a risky um, in injection. An uncle of mine had a massive reaction, and that's why the rest of my family wasn't vaccinated. And I think you said once that now um, there is a new vaccine against pox again. There is a uh, vaccine for this. It's all military uh, measures. Uh, that's um, for defense against um, bioterrorism. Um, um, that's why um, there is an attempt to prepare for this. Um, uh, with smallpox, there was this um, experiment. Um, so uh, you had your uh, skin uh, slits and um, a few drops uh, of liquid were inserted into um, the wound. That was the vaccination, by the way. Um, most people have it on the upper arm um, and uh, some have it on the on the hip, but it stopped in the 1970s. But uh, children are vaccinated against chicken pox and um, the 
uh, cross immunity uh, that's supposed to exist um, between uh, chickenpox and um, the monkeypox. I don't know um, if there is uh, protection from uh, chickenpox vaccination. I, I guess they're two different that um, the one vaccination can't protect against the other disease. So that means we can assume that that is simply a rare thing that may happen under certain specific circumstances, which is being blown up to the next uh, show, really? Well, they're looking at all the different viruses they have in the um, um, in the uh, in the kettle and um, what can they use to scare people but the real risk hasn't changed what could have changed is the immune system of those who have been um, administered this uh, who've had administered this um, mrna um, vaccine and that can lead to all sorts of um, infections if your immune system is compromised then you can't uh, fight off germs very well anymore and then the people who have had their immune system uh, weakened you can measure that but they want to tell us oh the people who have this immunodeficiency now they have HIV and so they have the HIV test and it's positive and they have an immunodeficiency and it's AIDS all of a sudden even though they never had sex that that also happens with children or um, very old people it's really absurd it, um, they are basically te uh, trying to um, use their mRNA vac uh, vaccines that they gave us to um, convince us that we have other diseases. Um, it's very dangerous, this vaccination. Wolfgang, Viviane just mentioned the person who has the main instrument to trigger this crisis by this PCR test, which is Mr. Drosten. Viviane said before that he also published some papers. Viviane, could you repeat that? on the monkeypox. <clears throat> well, between 2004 and 2006, he must have had three publications um, on PCR tests uh, for the uh, monkeypox. It's a bit like a deja vu experience here. Well, possibly could be important if you uh, are expecting bioterrorist attacks. That's why he said the PCR test would be quite helpful. So, probably there's patents already that are being taken out of the drawer now. Uh, we should ask uh, Alfred Lund whether he's preparing. Well, I was going to say, who knows what university uh, supported that and whether they uh, didn't uh, ensure uh, patents for humanitarian reasons, just like the Charité um, uh, clinic that didn't want to have any patents. So um, um, this is how they could uh, uh, use it very quickly. And the patent of Tipperary was then bought by Roche so that they could um, act as the first mover on the uh, market without having to pay uh, patent licenses, or maybe um, Drosten holds the patent, who knows? 
Well, if you look at this systematically, I think we need someone who um, understands the mechanisms of capitalism and can explain them to us in this respect. You're only successful if you have a monopoly, and the big um, corporates um, don't research themselves. They have their spy birds around the universities and see what's going on there and promote a little bit here and there. They have research done, and if something comes out, they simply buy the new company. They just buy the patent and they buy it on stock, whatever they may find helpful at times. It's a couple of monopolists, and Roche is one of them. And the small institutes are only the minesweepers. They experiment, uh, they are bought immediately if they come up with something that may be profitable. So, Wolfgang, bottom line, we can say it's still the usual panic, um, uh, fear-mongering. The real threat is not uh, with any leopard bites or monkey viruses, monkeypox viruses, but with the vaccines that might come down um, uh, the line and the, the mRNA um, vaccine that uh, weakened the immune system. I'm not calling it mRNA anymore because that's something that would uh, occur naturally and what we have here is artificial, so I won't call it that. All right, yes, but they are the real problem and with ever new ideas, um, monkeypox, uh, leopards, dinosaurs, they try to distract our attention, that's my understanding, right? Okay, I got it, that's right. Okay, Wolfgang. We uh, switch over. Um, stay with us. Stay tuned if you can. We should have Dr. Frank with us now, but I think he's not available if I understand right, Corbin. Uh, Viviana, would you like to announce Professor uh, Chusadovsky? Yes. Um, I think he's going to come in like two minutes, but we can already. Uh, I think he's just entering. Hello there. There he is. So maybe he can't. Yeah. Oh, he's mute. He's mute. You're mute. Good. Hello. Yeah, good, we can hear good, you. Good to see you, Professor. Uh, yes. Um, uh, What's your name? Yes. Well, in German, it's Hosudowski. Hosudowski, okay. <laughs> yeah. My it's best Russian, friend. isn't it? It's of Russian, yes, Russian Jewish descent on my, on my father's side, yes. So, uh, and uh, many thanks you, for. You're, uh, let me, I, I'm sorry, let me introduce you. You're an economist and editor of the Center for Research on Globalization. Here are a few books, just a selection, War and Globalization, The Truth Behind September 11th, 2003, The Globalization of Poverty and the New World Order, 2003, towards a, a World War III scenario, The Dangers of Nuclear War. You wrote this in 2011. This is almost, this is more than 10 years ago. You have, and this is, I, I find this fascinating. You are giving us an overview 
of the worldwide corona crisis, how it is destroying civil society while economic depression is engineered, why this is actually a global coup d'etat via the Great Reset, about the evidence that there never was a pandemic, how corona and the Ukraine-Russia crisis are interrelated, and the preemptive nuclear strike strategy and the current threat of a third world war, about the Ukraine Nazi summer camps and a call for a country by country withdrawal from the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, as well as closure of US military bases. I would even add to this a call for a withdrawal from all of the global organizations. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. <laughs> Well, I'm delighted to be on on your program, uh, and uh, uh, we uh, we have followed years, and uh, and uh, and I um, and I think we share uh, a common understanding. I I I think I would like to initially focus on on the. Corona crisis, uh, yeah. focusing mainly on the economic and social dimensions. I think the debate uh, among scientists and, and medical doctors, of course, is invaluable. But we must understand that this is not strictly a public health crisis. It is, it is an economic, social and political crisis. And perhaps it is the most serious economic social crisis in world history. In as much as on March 11, uh, based on essentially fake statistics, uh, 193 countries were ordered to literally to close down their economy. Because when you have a confinement of the labor force, inevitably, you paralyze economic activity. And I think that this, unfortunately, was not well understood. And it also was not understood because economists were not involved in any in the understanding of, of, the, of the corona crisis. Uh, and um, they um, allocated the, the crisis, the economic crisis, to other factors. So that there was a certain dichotomy between an understanding of a decision based on fake data, uh, the PCR test, which was uh, uh, providing um, a justification for that, but even even 44,000 cases worldwide outside of China on March 11, 2020. And what I've done, um, incidentally, the, the, my, my, my ebook, which I think I sent you, um, it consists of about 14 chapters, 14, 15 chapters, looking at different dimensions. But certainly the, the economic and social um, repercussions of this crisis. Now, as you pointed out at the beginning, uh, I, we have to, in a sense, understand what's happening in Ukraine uh, in relation to what's happening, let's say, in, uh, uh, you know, in, in uh, well, what's happening with regard to the COVID crisis. 
I view that this these are interrelated um, processes. We have only one global crisis. Now, if we're looking at the process of destabilization, desta uh, economic destabilization, we have the destabilization of the European uh, economies. It's devastating. And it's attributable, on the one hand, to the corona crisis going back to, uh, to early 2020. And uh, it's also due to the crisis in Ukraine and to the sanctions and so on and so forth. So that there's a multiplicity in the instruments of waging what I would describe as economic warfare. And uh, I, I'd like to maybe say a few, um, um, make some preliminary observations on the, on the evolution of this crisis from the beginning of January. Uh, very few people actually look at the statistics, um, nor do they consult the concepts. Now, the medical doctors have, have analyzed the issue of identification of the virus, the issue of isolation, purification. We have, we have evidence that the World Health Organization, when they launched the PCR test, customized, did not have an isolate, okay? And that was the, the, the report from the Berlin uh, uh, Virology Institute. <laughs> uh, I won't dwell on that, but I think it's important to state right from the outset that the PCR test, of course, doesn't identify the virus and it identifies other viruses. We all know that. But the problem is that the PCR test, which now has been re repealed by the CDC in the United States and which is the object of a mea culpa by the World Health Organization, it continues to be used to so-called measure uh, the extension of this, of this uh, so-called pandemic. And I've come to the conclusion that, uh, well, we're running into, into a very large number because now they've introduced the antigen tests and so on. I, I know that in Canada, we have a population of uh, 30, uh, uh, some 38 uh, million people, and our government has simply purchased more than a close to 2 billion home tests and antigen tests. Now, that in itself pushes up the numbers, and it started in late October, and the, the numbers have doubled in the last few months. At, at a global level. Uh, nobody has really noticed that. And the irony is that the numbers have doubled and then we're going to, towards some kind of normalization. But in other, in other words, we're dealing, with a, we're dealing with a deliberate process of destabilization of the economic and social structures of the global economy. Uh, in, uh, in late January, uh, Dr. Tedros uh, came up, uh, de uh, the CEO of, of the World Health Organization, came up with a public health emergency of international concern. He had only 83 cases worldwide out of China to base his report, but nobody looked at those reports. 
and then nobody looked at the, at the data. A few weeks later, on the 20th of February, which coincides 2021st of February, which coincides with the most serious financial crash, uh, I would say, in world history, even worse than 1929. And that was on the, on, the, on the 20th of February. And he then started making statements, and that's where we see how all the fraud comes in. He made the statement, the windows are closing, uh, we're not yet in a pandemic, but the pandemic is coming, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, uh, we have all that speech on record in this press conference. How many cases did he have to justify those far-reaching statements? 1,078 cases worldwide out of China. Okay. Now, in fact, it wasn't 1,078 cases. It was something of the order of 421 cases because there were about 600 cases of COVID, well, of PCR positive, who were uh, who were in the Diamond Princess cruise, which was stranded in the Japanese territorial waters. But there we are, on the basis of a thousand cases for population of what 6.4 billion out of China, he comes up and starts warning. And of course, immediately, uh, the stock markets collapse. And anybody who knows how uh, what how speculative trade operates, if you have foreknowledge and prior information of what he was going to say, you make a bundle on that day. Now there, you can look at the the billionaires how they increased their uh, their wealth, not through any kind of productive activity, strictly through a speculative operations on the stock markets and and various other processes. Now, what I have, um, what I've noticed, is that this project is one of bankrupting the the real economy um, in a, in a devastating fashion. Uh, small and medium-sized enterprises are liquidated. Uh, but it's also large corporations which are at stake. The airlines are bankrupt all over the world. Uh, the only way they have been actually sustained is through government handouts. So that at the same time, what we have is, a, is a, an increase in the debt, which is unprecedented in world history. The, the public debt uh, are there. And the money is, of course, being allocated uh, to military expenditure, intelligence, big pharma, and so on and so forth. Uh, I've, uh, um, I mean, the mechanism is the following. Uh, the, let's say a, a company like Air Canada I'm more familiar with uh, is, is in a bankruptcy situation, but it's sustained by government handouts. But who... Uh, but who finances those government handouts? The credit, the foreign creditors, the big financial institutions, which have literally precipitated uh, national governments into bankruptcy as well, because they they will they they are spending billions and billions of of dollars um, uh, in various forms, which in effect uh, are leading to actually to the destruction of the welfare state. Um, that's absolutely clear. 
but also to the what we might call it's the privatization of the nation state. So then we enter into the whole issue of global governance. So in other words, all this manipulation has led to a concentration of wealth, which is engineered, it's engineered uh, and it is uh, undertaken in a way which, which is there to uh, destabilize the economies of these 190 so countries. And the irony is that these countries, all their national governments have actually accepted this. They have accepted, with, there are no exceptions, okay? Now, uh, I can say that there's a complicity. Uh, we, 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 we might also um, focus on, 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 uh, on how this came to be, because we are familiar with what, what is called Event 201, uh, which was hosted by the Gates Foundation uh, on the one hand and and uh, the John Hopkins um, uh, John Hopkins uh, University well School of Health etc um, and uh, we can see who's on the list uh, now uh, I, I want to reflect on that um, the head of of China CDC, which is modeled on that of the of the United States uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, his name is is uh, Gao Fu George Gao Fu. He is the most he pull he pulls the strings in China. Okay, he pulls the strings. He is not he is uh, he is very much linked up to Fauci. Uh, to Gates, uh, he was linked up to Robert Redfield, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, and of course, he's also a fellow of the Wellcome Trust, uh, which is, a, you know, it's a so-called philanthropy, but it really is big pharma uh, in disguise. So that, in effect, uh, if we're looking at the incidents now in Shanghai, uh, first of all, it's a scam, but that scam does not necessarily uh, emanate from the Chinese leadership. It emanates from the, the consensus built in uh, Harvard um, and, um, and, of course, uh, John Hopkins and Gates and so on and so forth. He's part of their, their group. And uh, I can say very clearly, I, I haven't looked into the Shanghai in detail, but the structures uh, with regard to the to health and health decision making are there. And it Gaofu, well, Gaofu is a member of the Communist Party, but everybody's a member of the Communist Party, all these elites. Now, what you have in in um, in China. I go to China very frequently. I've written a book on China. Uh, that was in a in another in another life. But uh, uh, essentially, there is a very pro-American uh, business elite, and also academics and scientists. And uh, the the whole um, you know structuring of this of this pandemic, so to speak, fake pandemic, 
uh, did involve uh, prominent associates within China. And then I, I said he he was in. If you look at this, the the two the two hundred one simulation, he was the only senior official from there were senior officials from us cdc cia and various other organizations okay but gaofu is the senior the most senior government official and he is the number one uh, uh, <laughs> he is the boss of of the chinese center for disease control and prevention and he calls the shots and he's calling i in all certainty is calling the shots of what's happening in Shanghai today. Okay, now Shanghai <clears throat> is devastating. Uh, we, we went through uh, various lockdowns, but the only country that was not participating in the lockdown in March of 2020 was China. They declared that their pandemic was over, etc., etc. And uh, and their economy continued, etc. But what is now occurring, based on ridiculously low numbers, uh, using the, the the PCR tests and antigen tests, uh, is uh, as a pretext, literally, to close down uh, not only Shanghai, but other major urban areas. Uh, one is Shenzhen, which is north of Hong Kong. And Shenzhen is very important because it's it's uh, it's the 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 largest exporting uh, special economic zone in China, and so and 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 now what is happening uh, is that we are witnessing uh, a destabilization of commodity exports worldwide, which is unprecedented because the whole western economy hinges upon made in china okay everything is produced and made in china go to your growth to uh, to uh, buy uh, clothes or whatever made in china uh and and uh and at the same time china imports in in fact china also imports grain from uh, from, from uh, other countries but what is now happening is that with this uh, with this um, closure of Shanghai, which has led also to the literally to the collapse of the financial um, institutions within Shanghai is also a, a, a stock market and so on and so forth. And uh, it has powerful financial actors over there that's paralyzed. And, and you can imagine what happens. Uh, the, the largest port worldwide uh is uh, paralyzed uh commodities coming from other regions of china go to shanghai their other ports and uh container trade is is in a in an absolute chaos and all of this is based on the pcr test which we know uh, and which has been repealed even by the cdc and the CDC repealed it actually on the 31st of December of last year. It's official. They, and and the, the, the justification was it's that it doesn't distinguish between uh, something that we've known right from the beginning. It doesn't distinguish between COVID and seasonal influenza. 
Now, they've come up with a statement on that. The World Health Organization uh, uh, threw it out um, uh, already. Well, no, they didn't throw, out, throw it out with innu innuendos. They said it was invalid uh, if it was conducted in the way that they had recommended. I won't get into the, into the scientific details on that. But there we have uh, in China uh, ridiculously low numbers of a test which uh, is invalid to justify the closing down of, of, the, of the country's largest city, 26 million people in Shanghai, and to paralyze its foreign trade, and also to paralyze its productive uh, capabilities. Now, I can say that's not something, that is not a health concern whatsoever. And uh, I, I know that some people say that China is some kind of model of development. In this regard, it's not. It, it, it has a long history, and, and it also has reinstated many of the features of the, of the, of the sort of semi-colonial system that existed in, in, the, in the 1940s and, and, and 50s. I, I'm sorry, in the 1940s. Um, so that, that is the, the economic background and um, what we now are assisting, if we're looking at Eurasia, where on the one end of Eurasia, you have an impending war with the possibility that this may turn into a nuclear war. There's nothing to be expected. Hang, hang on one second, Professor Shosudovsky. Um, I, I want to ask you a question before you turn to Eurasia and the possibility of a nuclear third world war. Um, you pointed out that there was only one figure who took part, one Chinese official, a very high-ranking official, uh, and that is the person who runs the Chinese version of the CDC. Uh, you also pointed out from your experience, and I've seen it too, I was in Shenzhen a few years ago, that uh, the Chinese are very um, uh, Americanophile, I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. um, so who is really pulling the strings? Is it the Chinese who are trying to disrupt international supply chains or are they in cahoots with the Anglo-American financial mafia? I would say it's the Anglo-American financial mafia which are uh, attempting to disrupt trade with China, uh, trade the, the whole structure of Chinese trade and export economy with a view to weakening China, okay, and creating chaos. Okay. Why do I say that? Because Gao Fu spent 13 years of his life outside of China. He was, he has a PhD from Oxford, uh, I think it's a, well, he has a a degree, no, it's a DPhil from Oxford. Then he was, uh, then he was associated with Harvard, uh, and he is his friends with all these people. He is part of their gang, so to speak. And uh, he's part of the he's part of the uh, Davos clique, then of the World Economic Forum. He is part I, of their agenda, and he even he doesn't mind if he is destroying his own country because he's serving more important interests. That's what I uh, gather. Well, but I, I think he's not, certainly in China, he's not alone. He, he will have 
he will have the and he he works within a hierarchy which is is corrupt and uh, uh they are important uh, figures within the communist party the the chinese uh billion by any means okay uh i've done a lot of field work in china uh, yeah. but that was uh, in another period in in my in my life but uh, what we have today is a, is a made in China is based on cheap labor, uh, and there's something like thirty percent of the of the of the of the labor force are internal migrants. They don't have the right of abode. They come to Beijing. They go to to uh, they have a, the right of abode in Shenzhen because it's a sort of a a, a factory uh, uh, structure of of uh, but. People come from all over China, and meanwhile, the Chinese rural areas are in, in, impoverished. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I, there are many positive features in, in China's development. But uh, what I, I must say that the Western pharmaceutical companies they have their allies there, and they have their partners, and they and a lot of what they what they market is produced in China. And of course, the Wuhan Institute. I mean, the Wuhan Institute has been collaborating with uh, with uh, big pharma and for for years. It's nothing new, and it's part of the the structure of their economy. Uh, and uh, and uh, so we must understand. It's not that China as that that the elements within China, uh, scientific community and uh and health establishment and 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 also business and in, in, in finance and banking and so on which are very pro-western and particularly pro-us and and that uh, that has to be understood because when we're dealing i mean if we look at history well we might go back to world war one and say we had the uh, in the wake of bismarck we had coalitions uh, alliances but today we have what I would describe as cross-cutting coalitions. You have people in in uh, in uh, uh, the Russian Federation which are in cahoots with Washington. Okay, the 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 governor of the Central Bank of Russia. But you have you have many of these big big pharma billionaires in China, which are allied to their partners in the United States. And so that um, while politically and geopolitically uh, there's a conflict between China and and uh, let's say U.S. NATO, but U.S. Uh, there's also a lot of um, coalitions and alliances between business partners and so on and so forth. And Gao Fu is part of that. Now his whole university training is in the West. Uh, and being a, a being a fellow of the Wellcome Trust, uh, which in fact is controlled by, I, I think is still controlled by GlaxoSmithKline, so that you know that really is the background. And now I, I think there are many people who who uh, who believe that China is some kind of alternative um, to. I, I don't think that China has any kind of imperial ambitions. Okay. But I think that the Chinese business elites are very close to their Western 
counterparts. And then what is very important is what's happening now is an act which creates chaos um, in, uh, in, uh, in the Chinese economy, uh, unprecedented through the imposition of this lockdown where people are quarantined in their homes so they can't go to work. And when you quarantine, when you confine people in their, the labor force in, the, in their homes, the economy collapses, it's obvious. Now, it, it has taken us a long, long time to even realize that the March 11 was uh, uh, an instrument, the March 11, 2020 was an instrument of economic warfare, okay? I, I have been studying uh, IMF, World Bank, uh, um, you know, uh, actions, what we call IMF medicine uh, for, for many, many years, okay? It, it's in my, my book, The Globalization of Poverty, and uh, incidentally, that book is available in German. Uh, it's called Global Brutal, uh, the Enfesselte. <laughs> okay, I don't know. That's very uh, fitting. Yeah, it was 5,000 Eins that published it about 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, One, two questions in this context, Professor Shosodowski. Um, if we look at the picture that you just, just painted for us, then I get the impression that sovereign nations only exist in theory, but that in reality, other people behind the scenes are pulling the strings. And that's why there is no national alliance of uh, the aforementioned Fugao or Gafu, I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, with his own country, his, he is allied with these uh, super-rich Western forces with the Anglo-American mafia who control the entire world, more or less, through their uh, global corporations and global NGOs. That, so I, I take from this that the only way out of this is to disconnect, to disengage from these global corporations and NGOs and go back to our region, set up our own systems. Because I don't see how this system, which is totally corrupted, can in any way be fixed. Well, <clears throat> I think, I th <coughs> sorry. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I, I, I think I, I've, I've reflected on this <clears throat> extensively. But um, what we are moving towards is uh, a structure of global governance, okay? Now, it's, it's not, the structure of global governance is not Klaus Schwab or, or Gates. These are, these are figureheads. Uh, it's a much more complex process of powerful financial interests. Of course, it's the Rockefellers, it's the Rothschilds, uh, it's the it's the the major financial portfolio um, companies like BlackRock and and uh, and Vanguard and so on. Um, but the the thing is that what we have today is that we we no longer have really sovereign nation states anymore. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's the point. We we have we have uh, we have. Um, heads of state and heads of government, which are in a sense selected or appointed 
And this is not something new, it, it goes back in history. And uh, we have, uh, we, 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 uh, we don't have, well, maybe with, a, with some exceptions, but increasingly the entire parliamentary system is, is being co-opted and taken over. Uh, and uh, I recall the, 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 the quotation from the, the late David Rockefeller, who said that uh, a system of global government is more effective than the elected failures of representative democracy. And he didn't say it exactly in those terms. And he said, it is an alliance, global governance is an alliance of bankers and intellectuals. Now, <clears throat> we are not the intellectuals who will be selected for, for, this, uh, <laughs> for this global government, but they, they can't do it on their own. They need to have corrupt scientists, um, analysts, consultants, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're various, it's a very complex process that we're, we're witnessing. The, 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 Can I, is, am I correct, Professor Shosodovsky, if I summarize it before you turn to Eurasia and the uh, imp impending, possibly impending World War III nuclear, uh, ho hopefully just strategic <laughs> strikes will, um, is if I summarize it um, on two levels. One, our sovereign governments do not really exist anymore. Rather, we think they exist because we have figureheads which have been supplied to us in reality. We, we think we voted for them, but they're really creatures, products of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program. And two, the, the forces or the institutions that really run uh, the world currently are those global corporations and global NGOs, which are all controlled by the same people, the ones that you mentioned, who we can't really see. I, we know who we're talking about, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers. So is that um, an, a correct assessment? Governments don't exist. It, they do exist, but only in theory. We have figureheads, we have people who have been installed, infiltrated into our political systems, and two, the people who are really running the show are the global NGOs and the global corporations. Well, I, I mean, it, you know, it, it's an evolution of a system which was already in existence applied to third world countries, where you might look at, and I, that was what I wanted to, to uh, address, is the IMF World Bank uh, is, is, represents the creditors. Then they represent these financial institutions, but they're very yeah. heavily involved in, in, the, in this restructuring of the global economy, and, and they form a sort of a consensus. But now um, we are in a situation where, uh, first of all, th through the corona Lockdown, 190 countries, their economy is weakened and destabilized. Civil society has been under, undermined. Uh, the whole process of a, of a national project within respective countries has been destroyed. Health, education, which are the means of reproducing humanity, uh, have simply been, uh, I mean, have been undermined to such an extent. 
and uh, and and the the situation is that these 190 countries are weakened. They don't have the the basis even for for formulating their own uh, recovery, uh, and the the whole basis of this process is is the debt okay it, it's the fact that levels of debt are undescribable and they're not even we don't even know what they are okay because the whole financial yeah, but the debt but the but the debt only came about because they the other side the ones that we've been talking about have been looting and plundering our public coffers and then they gave us loans it, which are really our own money. Isn't that correct? Well, that, that's correct. I mean, they've plundered your economy. They bankrupt your, your small and medium-sized enterprises. They impoverish the population. They create unemployment. Of course, tax revenues under those circumstances are also paralyzed. So we have a fiscal crisis of the state. And then these creditors come in and they said, well, we're going to help you with the crisis. And then they hand out money to... Now, I, I looked at Air Canada. Now, Air Canada, uh, it's the CEOs of Air Canada that got, got the money, okay? In other words, these are private individuals and they get, they get money essentially to shut up. It's not the shareholders that get the money. So the, essentially what's going to happen eventually is that these creditors will ask, will impose, uh, I've seen it with IMF World Bank uh, programs going back. And I, I should mention, I started my career uh, in Chile during, the, during Allende and I lived through the Pinochet period. And uh, after leaving then at the end of this, December 1973, and then I also lived through the, the coup in Argentina. It just so happens I was in Argentina teaching at the university in, in, in northern, in, uh, in, um, the, at the University of Córdoba, and I lived through that period, which was much worse than the Chilean uh, coup. And the first person who came down to Chile at that, uh, I'm sorry, down to, to Argentina was Rockefeller. David Rockefeller came and he had his minister of finance was appointed there, et cetera, et cetera. And he also had meetings with, with Pope Francis. His name was uh, uh, Bergoglio, uh, Jorge Maria Bergoglio, also involved in the dirty war. So all the, there's a transition there. And, and, it, and what we've sort of, in a sense, what's, what the, the European countries, member states of the, uh, of, the, of the European Union are living is, is, a, is the imposition by creditors where their governments literally are strang strangled. They, they, they can't make any decisions of their own. And they, if they do, then they get blacklisted, threatened and so on. Now, uh, I, I just wanted to insert a, an, another element because where if we want to start building resistance to this model uh, we have to we have to first of all we have to restructure the nation state we have to build uh, alliances with representative groups uh, and we have to confront the criminals 
and uh, I, I have, I've been and that. Maybe that's a bit of a of a departure from what we're discussing on on the geopolitics of Eurasia. But I should say that the Pfizer confidential report is a bombshell because in a in a from a legal standpoint, it cannot be refuted by the judge. Why? Because this is this is their report, their data, and their confession of two months of adverse events and mortality right at the beginning of the vaccine from the from the from the middle of December to the 28th of February. We have all the data. And the judge cannot say, well, that's your opinion. No, it's not an opinion. It's a fact. And that should that's an admission of it's admission. I I I I'm, I made the in in my review of that of that case. I said it was it was homicide up until the 28th of February, but when they got the data, it became then it becomes murder. Because from a, 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 a if if they implement a vaccine knowing from their own data and their own information that it's a deadly vaccine with more than a thousand adverse events, then it it is no longer a homicide. It is murder. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Professor Shostodovsky, um, you said we have to focus on rebuilding the nation state on the one hand, and we have to go after the criminals. I fully agree. Um, I just want to make one thing clear. Uh, rebuilding the nation state, in my view, cannot happen uh, other than through um, a grassroots uh, uh, democracy. Absolutely. We have to start out in the regions. The regions have to take back their sovereignty. And that's a kind of a guerrilla warfare because that's no, there's no way they can control all of these little groups of people, maybe 100, maybe 1,000, maybe 10,000 that are starting up their own system in the regions. I think that is the most important thing to do, disconnect, dis disengage from them, and then once you've done that, they'll see and we'll see that they need us, but we don't need them. And then we'll go after the criminals, too. Well, you know, the thing is, um, we have opposition groups which have unfolded in the course of the last 30 years, most of which are funded mm -hmm. by Wall Street foundations. OK, most of them, in other words, you know, you you have the Ford Foundation, you have the the Rockefellers, you have Soros, of course, and so on and so forth. Okay, and these are all well, the environmentalists and the this and that, uh, the Black Lives Matters. They control the opposition, and they control the left, yeah. so-called left. Yeah. Now, what we have to do uh, is to break it. You know. We have to yeah. break. I mean, uh, Chomsky has made a, a very contradictory statements on on the on the war in, in Ukraine, and he also was made contradictory statements on every single war that has been waged. But there's been a sort of tacit uh, yes. support by West by leftist intellectuals of the of of uh, of, of military coups, crimes against humanity, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, so that. It, we're not going to be able to build a resistance movement 
uh, with people who are funded by the by the Rockefellers. Okay, and there's so many of them. Now, uh, I, I think that the, the, on the other hand, we have to go beyond the sort of leftist understanding of class conflict, because essentially this war, this economic and social war, waged based on on a on a fake pandemic, uh, is directed against small and medium-sized enterprises, corporations, regional enterprises. Um, you know, it's not. It's also a war of capitalism against capitalism. It's finance capitalism, which is destroying real economy capitalism. And consequently, I, I don't. I personally believe that we need to to reach out to everybody, not not only it, the, yeah. the 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 broad sectors of the population who have. And in some cases, we have cases of famine in in any other. The, the levels of famine that have resulted from the COVID crisis are, are beyond description. And I've been in touch with people in India. But the thing is, we need to have, first of all, it, I've, I've drafted in my book, uh, incidentally, my book has not come out in English so far, but it came out in Japanese just about three weeks ago. Okay, I got an offer from a publisher, uh, from my publisher there, and it's, it's out. Uh, I, I, but it, it, it's, it's, it's there. It's an ebook. We have to have a communion of civil society, which includes the capitalists as well. Okay, I mean they are the victims of of, of this crisis. So, in other words, regional capital corporations, which are being threatened, and then we have to point to the criminality of the debt the criminality of the debt now not in the way we did in the in the you know in, in 20 years ago the jubilee campaign blah 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 i i i recall that and and uh, um and and i know that it was very active in germany actually uh, i was in Köln at, in 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 1999 just after the the war on, on yugoslavia but we we have to we have to uh we have to uh in essence, build a political structure which will refuse the legitimacy of that debt. Okay, so that it 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 might require the whole fiscal structure of, of the of the nation state has to be reviewed. But mind you, you know, every single country on the planet has accepted this consensus, including Cuba, including Venezuela. Now these are supposed to be socialist countries; they're not socialist countries anymore. No, I, 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 well, um, I think, I think, I think what people have to, when you're talking about criminality of the debt, um, I, my, my law firm has been fighting corrupt global corporations for over 20 years now. One of them being Deutsche Bank, and I used to work for them, so I know a little bit about how these corporations work. The criminality of the debt is a result of blatant fraud that they've committed, they've been committing over the decades or so. Um, one other thing, because we're a little running a little out of time, but there's still time enough, because we do need to hear your take on Eurasia. What's going on there? What about this war? This is part, as you pointed out, this is part of their global agenda. This is part of destabilization, driving us 
to uh, accept a one world government and a one world currency, digital currency? Well, let me let me make a, a small parenthesis because uh, this is a, an ongoing war against essentially against China and Russia, which has its roots in the early uh, in the early 20th century. Very pe few people realize that the United States sent in thousands of troops into into the Soviet into Soviet Russia in 1918 barely two or three months after the October Revolution. Uh, but the, the, there's a whole history. And, and then there's the, also the history of, of nuclear war, uh, which I've been researching. And what is also very important is that on the, on the 15th of September, 1945, uh, the, the War Department, that was less than two weeks after the end of World War II, the War Department of the United States issued a plan to bomb 66 Soviet cities with 200 atomic bombs. Those, those report, that report was declassified, but what it meant is that the, the, that the U United States had already planned to destroy the Soviet Union uh, in the course of World War II. That, that document was ready to go uh, immediately after uh, after the end of World War II, and it it was the first draft when the countries were already allies. The United States and the Soviet Union were allies. And so the history of the Cold War has to be understood. Um, the Russians knew about this, this project uh, as early as 1942. And the, the purpose was to destroy the Soviet Union, and they were hoping that the that that uh, that Nazi Germany would do it for them, and th th there's another element is the Rockefellers, which owned Standard Oil of New Jersey, was supplying them supplying the Third Reich with oil right up until 1945. Without oil, they would never have been able to wage Operation Barbarossa. So that is a bit the history. But now let's get China is also another. But now there we have a, this vast area of Eurasia uh, with tremendous resources. The, the, the Russian Federation has tremendous resources, mineral resources, uh, ability, uh, agricultural resources. Um, and, and the same thing is true for China. And uh, this constitutes uh, it, it, it constitutes potentially, well, it constitutes a trading area, which is absolutely uh, crucial, and which, uh, with, the, with the collaboration of the European Union, uh, would lead, of course, to, to, uh, uh, to trade, um, well, trade with China, trade, trade with Russia, trade with uh, Southeast Asia, on, and land trade as well, uh, well, the well, the Chinese call this the Belt and Road, uh, the 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 Silk Route of uh, of the modern era. But the thing is that geopolitically, this is absolutely crucial, um, and uh, and I think that what uh, the purpose of this confrontation of the United States as a as an imperial project, as a hegemonic project, 
is essentially to destabilize these two countries and take them over with a with a proxy government uh, and uh, and and uh, and uh, have some well some form of unipolar uh, uh, agenda. Uh, the thing is that this project is so devastating uh, that it could lead us and it's so devastating and also the policymakers in the United States haven't the foggiest idea of the dangers of a nuclear war because the nuclear war has been on their agenda uh, for quite a number of, of years in, in other words um, uh, the 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 nuclear posture review of 2001 redefined uh, the usage of nuclear weapons nuclear weapons in the conventional war theater but also nuclear weapons for as a means of self-defense preemptive nuclear weapons and now you can see the statements that they have made they can they they say nuclear war is winnable okay they're saying nuclear war is winnable uh, uh hillary clinton said nuclear war was on the table is on the table and they're, and they're, they're not necessarily strictly pointing against Russia uh, or China, but they are. I mean, the, 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 the RAND report had a, had a scenario of nuclear war with China in some, at some future date, and they said, we won it. Okay? There's a simulation on that. Now, they have simulations of nuclear war every year. Some of them are declassified. Some of them I have. Um, but the thing is that uh, when you start defining nuclear war weapons and, and uh, as safe for civilians because the explosion is underground, quote unquote, and I'm talking about but specifically about the, the tactical nuclear weapons, the B-61, 11 and 12, which are deployed in Western Europe. Uh, and, and from Germany as well, Germany, Italy, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, um, and Turkey, the five countries. But the, those bombs now, uh, the B-60-12 will have uh, an explosive capacity of, of, uh, of more than three times the Hiroshima bomb. But the B-61-11 is even, even more, six to ten times. And they call those bombs... They have a uh, they have a program, which is presently 1.2 trillion dollars, with the Pentagon, uh, which is going to go up to two trillion by the year 20, 2030, uh, which consists in building these uh, what they call more usable, uh, low yield nuclear weapons. When they say more usable, they intend to use them. Okay. And then they say that the nuclear bomb is safe for civilians, and that's a humanitarian bomb, and it's there to, to uh, you know, to defend a humanitarian them. bomb. A humanitarian bomb. What is they that? That sounds like social distancing. Well, uh, you know, the thing is that they what they've done is simply they've changed the label a bit, like smoking is good yeah. is is good for your health. You change the label, uh, and and uh, and henceforth. Those bombs have now been categorized. They're not even subject to, uh, to the to the presidential. A three-star general in the war theater could use them. Now, I'm not saying that they will, but 
But the thing is, uh, we're in a very, very dangerous context because the politicians don't have the foggiest idea of what uh, yeah. uh, what a nuclear war would would consist of, uh, and that is something in in the area of of uh, counter propaganda is absolutely essential. Now we we discussed the issue of building up a, a grassroots movement. The first thing we have to do is disable the mainstream media. We have to we have to disable them, not the journalists, but the people who own the the media. There's some good journalists there, uh, but we have to start disabling the fake news that they are putting forth. And the, the fake news, the fake news is also on their part a censorship of official documents or official figures. Now, uh, if they tend back in in uh, if the latest figures for adverse effects uh, adverse events for the UK. Uh, the UK, the EU, and the US were something of the order of 11 million, and those are reported cases, which is a small percentage. They don't even report their official statistics. Okay, yeah, they don't yeah. even acknowledge what that Pfizer. They don't even acknowledge that Pfizer has a criminal record with the Department of Justice. It's the only company which has in the United States which has a criminal record. And they're number one, and they even were on parole. So all that is part of what you put forth. We have to build a mass movement with all sectors of society, and, and, and inclusive of, of, of uh, officials. I mean, there are good people within the WHO, the grassroots of the WHO, with us. I've worked for the WHO. Yeah, I, uh, I now agree. they they have to I have agree. regime change in the WHO. And, and that regime change is not going to come from Gates. It has to come from the grassroots of professionals who are who are serving the, 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 that that organization. And and so yeah, but they are they are weak. They need to be pushed by us. They need to see that we're the ones who are now pulling the strings. And that's the only way I think. But I have a question because I I want to understand something. You mentioned that this effort this uh, disruption of the global economies and now that we're focusing on eurasia uh, which is this huge landmass we know we've heard from other experts about uh halford mckinder uh, uh zbigniew brzezinski who all said this is what we have to control in order to um regain or preserve anglo-american dominance over the world um is it and, but you also said this is also to um, this is also a war against China and Russia. They don't seem to know this though. Or is it that their leadership, Xi Jinping and Putin, are part of the agenda? That's one. That's one possibility that they're still part of the agenda. Another one is that Putin is finally pulling out of this because he. He has uh, he, he, he's uh, found out that this is really about destroying his own country. What do you think? Well, you know, when uh, if if we look at the COVID consensus, one has to ask oneself the question: Why is it that countries like China? Well, China is another matter because that's where it originated. But it was it was a scam that they collaborated in. I, I have no absolutely no uh, doubt on that. And and Gao Fu was behind it. Gao, not Gao Fu alone, but the, the big pharma, 
the GlaxoSmithKline has is is um, and Pfizer entrenched yeah. in in the in the in the landscape, but how is it that countries accepted this consensus, knowing yeah. that there was no pandemic? At least they have scientists and so on. How is it 190? That means that within these countries, within Russia, there, there was a there there were people who were who are pulling the strings and the same thing in China and the same thing in Cuba. Now I can say I've been to, I, I well, I also have a personal, had a personal relationship with uh, Fidel Castro uh, and, and, um, and I, 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 I know the Cuban leaders, but I can say that in the late, in the last few years prior to this crisis, there's tremendous amount of, of uh, of corruption and and uh, and there you have the cuban pharmaceutical industries in cahoots with GlaxoSmithKline. that's that's clear okay uh, i know that I, I i i know that the ministry of foreign affairs uh, is is uh, well I, I i mean many there are many uh, uh, well um, the hans seidel stiftung is funding uh found a, uh, institutes in in uh, in Cuba okay now now the Hans Seidel Stiftung is not exactly a progressive organization as far as I can tell but uh when they come in and then they call it they call the shots and they're acting on the in a sense on behalf of the National Endowment for Democracy which is the its US, US counterpart so how is it that these all these countries, even progressive countries, accepted it, uh, with the exception of few, a few African countries, which whose leaders were were well, they passed away mysteriously, um, and also Haiti. But, but there we are. We 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 uh, uh, we have governments which accepted a global agenda. Well, right. What do you think? What do you think? What happened? Are they part of the agenda? We're talking about the governments, not the people. Are they part of the agenda or has Putin changed his mind? Well, listen, I, I, I think as far as COVID is concerned, uh, there were, there was, there are uh, people within the governmental structures of all of these 190 countries that abide it. And that there, there's a, there must have been a, a process of co-optation, very sophisticated, uh, with U.S. intelligence and various uh, consulting firms and so on and so forth. We could go into that, but, but I, I think that they, they had it extremely well organized, where they co-opted the, the leaders of 190 countries. Now, was it, was I, I would say, why did Putin go along with it? Uh, well, there's a pharmaceutical industry in 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 the in Russia, which is in partnership with AstraZeneca. Okay, it was uh, now. Uh, I think that what is uh, I think what is shocking on, on as far as let's say as a as a as a, an activist, uh, uh, how is it that none of these countries? Uh, uh, I know the people. I know the leadership in Venezuela. I know. I knew. I know. I I've met 
Maduro, but I also met Chavez, and I worked for the Venezuelan government at some other period in my life. Uh, how is it that these people simply, Chavez would never have accepted it, but Maduro did. You know, there we are, we've got, and when, and, and the fact that they, that Venezuela accepted the COVID consensus was a paralysis of their, uh, of their economy and their export capabilities yeah. of, of, of petroleum. Now, so we have to ask ourselves, uh, now I know that in Russia there, there are divisions within the leadership. Uh, we, we can, there's, there's a pro-Western strand within the leadership and they've been planted there for, for years. Uh, and, and the same thing is true in China. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that, well, Putin has, has, I think Putin has changed his mind on certain aspects, but uh, why is it that when this, uh, when this agenda was issued in, in, uh, in March of 2020, why did he abide? Now, anybody who has the minimum understanding, uh, assuming that the pandemic was real, okay? Assuming it was, but it's not. But you don't show, close down your economy to deal with a pandemic. You, you need your economy to, to build the institutions which are going to tackle the pandemic. So that the solution to, to confine the labor force and to paralyze economic activity, anybody with a common sense would say, well, that is absurd. You can't do that. And, and even, but then they had, they, they had a propaganda apparatus within the establishment, okay? Where they convinced officials to, to do it. And it, it's it's a process of engineered corruption, um, which uh, led to this. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's 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 not simplistic by any means, and it's been built up mm. over years and years. Um, well, we have to reverse that. We have to build a. We yes, have to build. We will. We will. And we. And we will, Professor Shosudovsky. <laughs> I, I hate to cut you off, but yes. uh, there is another guest uh, waiting in the wing, so to speak. We will definitely have to talk to you again because you have so much more to tell us. This is very, very interesting. So please um, uh, don't hold this against me. Uh, we're under a little bit of time constraints, um, but we will. I've already discussed this by text message with Corbin. We will definitely make a new um, a new appointment, so to speak, so that we so that we'll, you'll have more time to explain all of these extremely interesting uh, geopolitical uh, uh, and economic uh, details. Well, I, I thank you for this opportunity. Is a Gelegenheit for me, uh, and uh, I, uh, I'm also I, I must say I'm very uh, impressed by your contributions. I see that Dr. Wodag is here as well. I've been following his writings since the H1N1 um, um, pandemic, and that was uh, that was and his interventions in the European uh, Europe, European Parliament. So we have. We must stick together and we must come up with a, a, a far-reaching um, campaign to undermine, well, we have to undermine our governments, that's for sure. We need regime change, which emanates from the grassroots. My best wishes, 
besten Grüßen. And we'll uh, be forward. Vielen yeah. Dank. Thank you. Vielen Dank. We will stay in touch. We will definitely uh, have another opportunity to talk some more. Thank you so much, Professor Shosudovsky. Thank you very bye -bye. much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Ja, jetzt haben wir Vivian, Dr. Genau, wir haben jetzt Dr. Gunter Frank. We are back with Dr. Gunter Frank. There was a little uh, confusion over the schedule, so to say. However, he's with us now, and no problem. He is a, a doctor, a general practitioner, and a natural therapist. And there was an interesting interview at a talk show quarter past eight with Montgomery, the president of the Global Doctors Associations, I think it's called, and um, Georg Gafkon, a Berlin media um, worker. I worked there once for his company when I was a student answering the phone. <laughs> so interesting. What's going on on the medical side of things? Yeah, it was a question, uh, maybe a, a, a sudden transition. My question, my question, Mr. Frank, would be who who was grilled? Uh, was that what is a human being or was that a chicken? Yes, um, one uh, might be tempted to um, make fun of it, which uh, YouTubers have made, of course, uh, 13,000 uh, YouTube um, commentators have done that. I try to stay away from this sort of thing. I don't try to be uh, to get personal. I was happy to have the opportunity uh, for several reasons to prove that Mr. Montgomery and let's not even talk about the others doesn't know about anything. He just doesn't know. He's completely incompetent um, as a, a physician. He argues in an authoritarian way. He has no idea of um, how to do scientific work. And if um, um, someone has that um, kind of elbow that he has, it means that he doesn't have any uh, manners. And I knew it would be a, a tough fight, but I um, had uh, made my mind up that I will prove that there was no um, um, uh, excess uh, utilization of capacity uh, of ICUs and that the people, the, the patients uh, with the COVID diagnos uh, diagnosis of COVID was below 2%. I could give the same presentation that Mr. Vodak did. Oh, wait, I, I have uh, marked it, actually. I marked it up. It's really about this. This book is 100 years old. Can you hold it closer to the uh, camera? It's written by Eugen Bleuler. Um, 100 years ago, he writes a book entitled Autistic Undisciplined Thinking in uh, the Medical Profession. So, physician not as a, um, a pro professional title, but a diagnosis. And he describes 
what happens in between their uh, leaving uh, their um, uh, their uh, high school and uh, then putting on the uh, their doctor's gown um, and uh, something um, um, weird is going on that we uh, turn people into gods in this period of time. Um, We are a people, we physicians are a people who uh, are subject to all sorts of uh, forces um, that we don't realize. Uh, we, for instance, accept uh, further training um, offers and don't think about uh, the manipulation that comes with it, etc. And a um, hundred years ago, the author uh, suggested creating something um, to uh, improve the professionalism, he uh, came up with something like evidence-based uh, science. We have to say that uh, scientific studies use a probability, um, um, and that can't prove anything, because probability is only an hypothesis. You can't prove it in a model. So studies, at best, can give us an insight into real reality. And um, that this insight is the better, the clearer the result. So if an intervention, and a surgery, uh, for instance, uh, dramatically increases uh, people's survival rate, then um, you can prove it with a study, but then you don't need it because it's obvious already. And so we've had millions of studies that uh, mean nothing uh, where uh, there are uh, small differences. We know how they come about. Uh, strangely enough, they always um, are in favor of the intervention. Funny that. And uh, you just uh, modify the risk of it, and then you have a 30% uh, higher survival rate or whatever. So what uh, people came up with and what good evidence-based uh, people try to do. Ms. Mühlhauser, Mr. Hönigsen, Mr. Windeler, who uh, is in favor of evidence-based medicine, but the forces at uh, work um, rig it such that evidence-based medicine becomes an empty shell. So. If I'm the author of an um, uh, SI uh, study on adipositas, well, the the um, end result is pointless. And um, um, a lady um, of volunteered to participate in the study, and I asked her why is she in the um, on the board of Weight Watchers. So it's uh, very much um, influenced by foreign interests uh, that have become completely monstrous in the case of COVID. So if somebody makes a first study to enlighten the, um, the landscape a bit uh, of this um, um, vaccination disaster, Mr. Matis uh, did that study. 
Um, it's not a bad study. He would never claim that he uh, proved anything, but at least he uh, performed a study, has a study design where he can say, oh, beware, if it's a fact of 40 uh, of um, uh, what the um, reporting uh, reflects, and that's uh, our um, experience and what does Charité do, the, the uh, clinic? Well, we distance ourselves from this because we have to support the public narrative, the official narrative. I wrote a book, what, eight years ago or so, and I referred to the research performed by Barbara uh, Starfield, a researcher of Johns Hopkins and uh, Robert Oetchen, uh, what he wrote, and I mentioned it on a talk show um, um, on TV. Uh, I said it at the uh, end after uh, they had spoken about uh, all sorts of tripe, um, detective series and all. And um, at the end, I said that the third most frequent cause of death in Germany after heart uh, disease and uh, uh, obesity is a doctor's visit. And then people are kind of uh, surprised. Um, um, who really understood it was Markus Atov, who approached me afterwards and said, that's really surprising. That Can you explain that? So corona is nothing new. It's a disaster. But it really comes out now. So uh, what about the uh, physician's front? Well, there are always colleagues who are um, taken aback by this again and again, and uh, they try to impose things, and they are shocked by the um, adverse effects um, of the vaccines, and they are um, connecting with each other. But uh, somehow uh, there are so many um, effects that make them uh, go along because maybe um, because they're afraid that they might be sued and Lauterbach tries to um, fearmonger what's left it's almost like an end game you can see uh, it's just being imposed now and in my practice I have a selective view of course because I have uh, certain um, patients who uh, see me but it's always the same uh, story. I hope I'm not jumping from topic to topic too much. Um, they say, oh, uh, oftentimes it starts after the booster, headache, uh, visual problems, um, fatigue, uh, low performance, and it's three pathways. Either it's the eyes, the uh, muscles, or the heart that are affected, and people are just um, doing poorly and they're rejected everywhere. Um, they have all sorts of diagnoses that are being precluded and um, they're just doing very poorly. And it's a lot of them. And Charity tells Matis they have to distance themselves from them because they have to, they want to uh, uphold the um, official narrative. What I uh, didn't like uh, about this, I mean, uh, what about this? Um, uh, this TV uh, appearance. Um, I don't like to, to go there normally because they, uh, uh, well, they, they allow to, um, um, for both sides to have a voice, and um, that's why I uh, participated in the end. 
And if you watch it, then you'll notice that Montgomery is simply excluding uh, any argument. He said um, the um, licensing studies have been uh, concluded. Well, if they had been concluded, then we would have a full license, not a provisional license. They will be uh, concluded only in 23 by the earliest. But actually, um, we don't have to talk about him. Um, well, anyway, <clears throat> I think the result was positive in the end. You stayed calm and still uh, came out of the out of the silence, if I can say, Mr. Montgomery really was a uh, gross uh, slaughterer without any part of manners. Before he was a bit statements like, uh, we never liked him because he was quite arrogant all the time. But you demasked him, showing that he has no idea of anything and that he bluntly lies when he talked about these completed studies. And that is a big thing in exposing uh, someone uh, in this mainstream public uh, that we are talking about charlatans here. Yes, quite rightly so. I was, I'm a bit trained in talk shows. Um, I even confronted Mr. Lauterbach with his um, work um, that he did, uh, his Lipupa things that he worked on. Uh, in uh, nutrition, I'm working in that. I now know that you are against uh, people who don't want to discuss. It's about ideology. I'm better because I'm uh, slim and I'm not uh, fat and things like this. So I don't. I know that you have to fight your way in a talk show. That uh, in half a sentence, you have to nail it on the head. And maybe I'm a bit more trained than other colleagues are who, um, for good manners, uh, don't finish their sentence. And Montgomery is known to that, and he's used to that. And so he hit me. And I prepare for this kind of thing. I was alone in the preparation room with him. Um, Let's let's let him out. He's not important at all. Let's talk about evidence-based medicine. There's many who um, have that claim, and <clears throat> I've had contact with AWMF. I've uh, talked with loads of people in transparency. We talked about the um, about guidelines, and we've had initiatives on guidelines that were quite successful. <clears throat> but in the end, I found out that these uh, institutions are buyable, they are bribable, and don't exist if they get money from the pharmaceutical industry. And so they do the guideline on the sense of masks and things like that. They do their statements uh, pro 
government. And I always thought that was because the guidelines uh, get money from the pharma industry or the institutions get the money from the industry. And I fought for them to get state money. Now they've got state money and they do what the government wants them to do. That is, that's pure madness. I thought they, we could make them independent if they get public money. Now they've got public money, and now Mr. Lauterbach can tell them what they should tell, what they should say. That's all right. Um, what uh, Boiler thought, uh, evidence-based medicine and so, will be undermined uh, over short or long. Now, uh, studies, by reading, you can see where the problem is. For example, the dropout rate is too high or whatever. Um, they're going to understand at some point in time that they get problems. And so they will manipulate the data up front so that the study is OK. Uh, so I think you have to move away from good and bad. It's simply a systematic problem. When I did presentations, long time ago, I said the pharmaceutical industry does their turnover. And of course, they affect that. They uh, reduce the limit values and things like that in their guidelines. What happens if the boss of the pharma industry um, is not uh, working for uh, sell, to sell that uh, a specific product? Who kicks him out? He's kicked out. And who kicks him out? Uh, BlackRock. Maybe, maybe it's also our life insurance who invested there. Maybe it's us. We want to have a life insurance with the best uh, profit. What I want to get at here is that we are, we're, at least formally, we are in a democracy, and formally we are in a market economy. Mr. Herring's book uh, taught me, he opened my mind. It's not market uh, mechanisms. It's not capitalism. A market, a market economy has the idea of open markets, of competition, and the customer can select, and the custom, and that produce leads to better products. And that's why we make medicine to market with competition for better products. No. That's not working in medicine. Why? Because the product, the customer cannot judge the product. If I buy a car, it's quite clear. Uh, whatever engine, booth, trunk, uh, I can select. And so that's why we've got the best brands in the East. Uh, we had other types. So, uh, but the medicine wasn't bad in the east so that's why i think if we want to improve things we have to take a completely different approach we have to look at the patient the patient has to understand that in today's uh, medicine he's a customer the pharmaceutical industry wants to sell them something it's not professor brinkman of the uh, tv hospital those times are over doctors want to sell you stuff and uh, they don't even notice that they sell for the pharmaceutical country uh, companies. So that means the patient has got to learn, first of all, to mistrust the doctor. And that was the case before Corona. Corona is going to have a massive push into the distrust in medicine. And that's good. Not only mistrust in the state, but mistrust in the doctors as well. Patients have to leave the comfort zone 
please, doctor, help me. I have a problem. No, I go to someone who wants to sell something to me, even if he doesn't know. And that is why, as a patient, I have to learn to ask the right questions. And based on the answers, I get uh, an idea if that person is an expert that I'm talking to. There's a good essay on this uh, by Ged Gigerenta and an English colleagues called The Century of Patients. <clears throat> For me, that was an eye-opener as well. I think he's, uh, the, the essay is 10, 15 years old, and both of them write there was two revolutions in medicine. Um, Gigerenza was a psychologist. He was uh, the director of uh, Max Planck Institute at his time. And they say it's two revolutions. The first one was hygiene in the 19th century, um, saved massive amounts of lives, extended the life expectancy. The second was the technical revolution in the 20th century, bringing great progress. What's the third revolution now? Everybody would say gene therapy and so on. <clears throat> no. They say the third revolution is uh, triggered by high-value information, which the patient gets so that together with their doctor, they can find, they can come to a conclusion. And it is right, completely right. It can't be put better. If we want to improve things in medicine, we have to get, we, the patients have to understand that they have to leave the comfort zone. They have to um, behave like customers who don't buy anything. That's difficult because they have a problem. They are in pain. Still, they have to check on their doctors. I wrote a book on that. In my foundation in Frankfurt, we do courses on patient coaches. That's um, what we need is a an association for patients. Well, that gives me goose pimples. My, um, I uh, got my uh, doctor's thesis uh, from uh, Dr. Jonas, and he wrote a book, uh, The Good Doctor and he contracted cancer at some stage. He was uh, uh, a doctor at uh, Hamburg University um, clinic, and um, his uh, surgeon uh, was a colleague of him, and he knew him. And when he um, asked his doctor, can you tell me what uh, what's wrong with me? And he said, just shut up, you can trust me. And well, that's, of course, a good thing if you can trust your doctor. I uh, think of the system um, where um, uh, uh, where you're not, uh, where you don't get paid for, um, where doctors aren't paid when their patients uh, are sick and are healed, but uh, when, when they are uh, paid, if their uh, patients don't get uh, ill in the first place. Well, isn't that romantic po poetics? It's not romanticism. They they get a good wage. Uh, there's a, uh, a, a different uh, budgets. There are regional uh, budgets, both in Sweden and in Finland, and these regional budgets are uh, granted per inhabitant. And and um, in uh, uh, psychiatric care, that's uh, available. That's not concrete enough. How does that heal a patient? Well, the patients can trust their doctors because the doctors earn the money by keeping the patients healthy. 
So how do I stay healthy? If I go to see a doctor, I have, I'm sick. Am I do, how do I go to a doctor to stay healthy? Well, the doctor uh, dares tell me you're too fat, you're uh, drinking too much, you, you smoke, um, and let's see what we can do to keep you alive longer. But do you know that uh, uh, adipose people have the longest uh, life expectancy? Well, yeah, but then it's just... No, there's no data. You see, that's where the difference is between us. Um, I think the prevention is part of this authoritarian development that we do see. I think we doctors should stay out of the nutrition facts. We have no data on that. Um, we. Well, if I can't move anymore, if I uh, can't breathe because I walk up the stairs, uh, that's caused by um, um, obesity. You're, you're outside of the data. That That's it. <clears throat> well, I don't care about your uh, second data. No. I'm too fat. And if I walk upstairs, uh, I can't breathe anymore, and I want to change that. So then please... Show me how do you get a 110 kilo person to go down to 80 kilos and keep it? What do you do with him? Uh, well, for instance, um, uh, get him to move, to exercise. Well, there's thousands of studies in this. You can't um, change your genetics by movement. Uh, this is a massive difference between us. I think it's an authoritarian approach that leads to an authoritarian medicine. And you don't have to do what I tell you. Uh, the, I, as a doctor, can give you advice on how you can do, uh, do best. No, I think you have to approach it differently, saying you have to move more, you have to eat differently, but you have no data that this is right, so that means you stigmatize that person. I know all these stories uh, back and forth. I've worked tons of things with this. told me what is going on with Corona, because um, the fat people here just uh, fulfill what fraud says. You can bring people to this. You just need people to take the aggression. I have to. I have to leave in a minute. That's a very interesting discussion. However, well, Mr. Frank, it's not like we don't have any data. We do know, often from our own experience, that somebody. I know it myself. I used to work so stupidly and so hard that at the end of the week I didn't know what uh, court I'd been in. I got home um, at night, uh, just before 11 uh, at night. I knew, oh, there's a deadline pending at uh, midnight, no, 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 no. and I, this, this, I this ate not, in the middle, uh, uh, I ate some junk food. No. No, we can't work like that, Mr. Frank. You can do that in a talk show, but not here. No, I... No, this is not not pointing at. Sorry, sorry, if I interview. Mr. Dr. Frank has to leave now. I think that's a topic that we uh, might uh, revive at a different time. I think it's very interesting the data that uh, kill you. Uh, you can select the data that you want. Then the evidence-based medicine evidence is caused that on people agreeing on something, and it depends on who was present when they agreed. And I know what this looks like in the AVF and the institutions, how that data is provided, how the scientific data is provided, uh, depending on how who funds them. I take that out of 
the study if the person um, who funds it uh, comes up with the wrong data. So no, you come with the data. It's not right. But yes, I know about it. Um, it's a question of mechanisms. And the topic of prevention is fully in line with this vaccination. I think we should step back uh, to start with rather than um, basically, let me be a bit provocative here, uh, should uh, preach the morals of a new um, health system. Uh, I have people in my um, practice who uh, are discriminated against because they're fat, just like the unvaccinated discriminated against today. Well, um, I wouldn't indoctrinate people if somebody is fat and he wants to stay so, it's okay. But if he wants to get slimmer, I, as a doctor, can help him. Well, uh, we won't be able to get through this tonight. Do you know uh, how um, to take off, uh, to, to lose 20 kilos and uh, keep the weight for 10 years? We start a new company now. Life changes a lot in 20 years. Um, I want to see uh, all these opportunities. I would suggest that we take another time to discuss this in calm and in peace and quiet at another time. It is tied in with the system. You can't argue one way with topic A and then differently with topic B. I think we have to be careful not to criticize this awful uh, corona business and the vaccination uh, and at the same time install a, a, a health religion via prevention. Uh, and I think what uh, the evidence uh, biologist uh, Mark uh, says, we need uh, normal prevention in health. Well, you you don't me you don't know me then. Uh, I'm not I'm not the right person for that. Well, with fat people, who knows? No, I'm skeptical. We can only we can only touch upon I these like topics to be now. Skeptical, and that's why I contradict you. Um, don't take it as an offence. Um, it leads us into the details. That's what we should do, but we don't have the time for it at this moment. Yeah, uh, however, I think it's well worth it. Maybe we can do that in some other talk. Well, we could have a special um, discussion on this uh, because I think it's interesting because it's also. Um, about the question of uh, developing new ideas of what a health system of the future might look like. And I think that the experience that we made um, needs to be exchanged. But then, of course, you have to uh, look at what happens with these studies. We can see that uh, they are uh, fraudulent or difficult or require um, uh, interpretation. Well, then we have to see what studies can we actually rely on. And uh, there was some discussion on uh, also by uh, Ioannidis, that all this uh, study system is um, yeah, quite uh, rotten, um, but uh, there are some, there's a body of experience, of course, and you will have it, Dr. Frank. Uh, Dr. Vorak will have it. Maybe you could invite um, Professor Julius Kuhl. He's an emeritated uh, psychologist who has developed a rational intu intuition. That is very interesting. Well, we can talk about smoking maybe. As a lung specialist, I know more about it than about um, obesity. studies in that. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I'm 
uh, still a bit uh, full of adrenaline, pumped full of adrenaline after this uh, TV appearance. But I've been working on this for 20 years, and just like uh, with the people who um, are discriminated because they're not vaccinated, I've had uh, fat people who are demonstrated. Uh, very happy, healthy people who are fat and very uh, and people who suffer from it. Well, I have to bid you goodbye. It's a very nice event, and I can't be late now. So thanks for your good work. Bye-bye. Leave room? Okay. Anyway, I think it is a discussion, as we've had in other places, is a, an opportunity to rethink positions and uh, beliefs that we have and uh, things that one may drill down into. I think it's always good and um, it matures in the conflicts and uh, in uh, clearly presented opinions. Rainer, do we have any videos we want to show? Or... Oh, yes, we do have a few more videos. Let me look it up. Very, 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 very importantly, just now we have a video which shows uh, Professor Zuchari Bhakti many years ago as he speaks on BSE as a, a phantom risk. That is particularly important because first we can see the parallels to what's happening today and secondly because Professor Sushri Bhakti was actually um, uh, is being harassed by a group of uh, crazy people or uh, we should say criminals and uh, that's being happen uh, this happening by people who uh, find it difficult to spell their own names probably uh, so that's uh, four minutes and 24 seconds and then a very short video after that where the uh, uh, chief of staff of the um, German armed forces um, a former one I think Harald Kujat, uh speaks about um, the rejection of the training mission in Ukraine he says he probably uh, won't uh, be uh, in interviewed by the mainstream media uh, anymore. After this statement, he really speaks quite clearly. He can't, uh, can hardly restrain himself um, seeing the stupidity of the questions that are being asked. I think both videos are very important. Uh, the first one, because Wolfgang, you won't uh, uh, contradict me, Zushari, um, realized very well that what the uh, pharmaceutical industry was doing was creating a problem that didn't exist to offer an expensive solution for this inexistent problem. Of course, I'm in my uh, own experience with BSE at the time, and uh, I've written a book about it. The bad thing about all of this was the food feeding of um, um, uh, uh, meat to, uh, to cattle. And um, what's worse, we take milk, we take the cattle of the milk uh, away from the cow, uh, the calves away from the cow, and uh, we take the milk from the cow and feed the, ca the calves with um, milk powder. And that is produced, the, the fat from the bones of animals is used to fatten that milk powder. So that is um, grinded. Uh, 
heads of the cows, including the brains, that means the prions are not sterilized, and that's what the calves got. I told that to our um, agriculture minister at the time and made sure that in the EU that stops, that this is prohibited. And this problem, the that um, animal, vegetarian animals are fed with uh, animal fats. That was the disaster. It was perverse, and that is this madness um, of optimizing the production of the foods. And that was really a scandal at the time, but that was independent on any kind of uh, health issue. That is a scandal in food production. Sorry, I had to say that. With the uh, BSE, um, Neil Ferguson was involved as well, uh, who uh, predicted huge mortality rates among people again. Uh, the problem was not the human health. The problem simply was that the cows uh, were mistreated by the cannibalism that they had to go through. Well, Wolfgang, I have. I used to have an excellent friend, and that changed in the uh, Corona period because of the Corona crisis. Who is a broker um, for animal and plant? Um, oils and fats, and they um, imported palm oil, whatever, from Venezuela, selling it in Denmark. And he said it's a huge hoax. And he's not a medical person. That's a, ho a single hoax. We didn't have to uh, kill a single, to cull a single uh, animal. The whole thing is completely harmless to people. He recognized it back then. And I'm very happy that you mentioned it. You can't. Um, mistreat animals like that. Uh, if you do that, you'll um, um, reap the wrath of the gods. In um, the uh, um, animals uh, crematory to, to uh, be mingled and uh, put in autoclaves and uh, milled and heated, and then that is dried. Uh, that is where that animal um, flour comes from. That can be risky, but in pressure under 130 degrees, it's sterilized. It is just uh, uh, the horror is that the uh, calves and the cattle have to eat themselves. Um, I was there once, and when I left, there was a, a lorry arriving with uh, bones and skulls. And I asked the person who manages this, and I asked him what they do with the uh, bones. And um, he said, it's very valuable. We get the bone fat from it. That, that's used in cosmetics. We've got lots of customers there. That's much more valuable. Um, how high is that heated? Oh, that can't be heated over 100 degrees, otherwise it'll deter. And I said, okay, and I saw um, the bones and were skulls, including brains, and these prions, they are inside the brains, uh, so that means they are not killed off, and that fat, um, um, I, uh, one of my staff um, came to me, 
uh, and um, um, uh, his father said, yes, I, I know, 2% um, are put to the uh, milk of the calves, and I, I couldn't believe my ears. Even the calves at the times were infected, and this is why we've had these cases. Uh, there was uh, many cases in Schleswig-Holstein where very young cattle got this uh, nervous disease, which really happened. It was an epidemic caused by the foodstuff. And uh, when I found out, uh, as I found out, this uh, bone fat played a role in it. So it's important that you really look at an animal crematory. It's really perverted. Wherever you look, it's just uh, nauseating and absurd. And I uh, think um, even in the cosmetic industry, you have to uh, worry, um, can't there be other things? Uh, in Cosmetica, there's other uh, things. The companies um, who make the Cosmetica are not um, obliged to declare the substances. You don't know what's in these creams and the lotions. They don't have to publish any clinical studies or so. That is completely intransparent. And what we eat, they are very, very careful that there's no poisons in it, but we smear on our skin and let us let the sun burn it in we don't know nobody cares there's a massive market for this and these cosmetics um, there was a great uh, producer who said it's only water that i allow to my skin she's quite right she was quite right the skin is a great organ which can control itself if you don't strain it too much it can uh, refit itself and you only need water really well, if you uh, have very dirty fingers, a bit of soap is good to have, but the cosmetics that are used and that are sold to us, especially to the women, uh, if they knew what's inside, they would leave it in the shelves. One more thing. It's quite obvious. All of our problems are man-made. All of our problems are man-made. We uh, need to realize that. One more thing, we don't only have the two videos I mentioned with uh, Sushari Bhakti and uh, Harald Kuya. Uh, we also have uh, the video this, which uh, seems to have been deleted and then reappeared about uh, Bill Gates. That'll be in English and you should watch it. It's a bit longish. But it's very instructive, uh, particularly against the backdrop of all the information we've collated here. Okay, so I think that would take us to the end of our session today. And somebody um, also thinks we're at the end of the of the session. Excuse me. So anyway, I think she wants to make a contribution. Anyway, um, is. Thank you for staying with us for all the time. And um, at this point, I would uh, like to point out that we can only do our work with donations. And there were a couple of questions whether we fought with Lo Oval Media because the logo wasn't taken was taken out. No, it's not. We just had a different solution, um, software-wise, that uh, gives us more planning security and. Um, 
that um, we pay the technical transmission and that is why the, the funding of the technical um, uh, transmission is necessary for donations so that this may be given to us um, because for organizational reasons it is easier that way. So if you want us to carry on, we are happy to receive some help. And Rainer, do you have a final word? I think we, I don't know. No, you summarized it perfectly. Perfect, Viviana. Okay, so everybody have a nice Friday night and a wonderful weekend. See you next week. Is BSE really a phantom risk? We are a lab for microbiology. We analyze all sorts of viral diseases. Flu, uh, for instance, kills thousands every year, uh, every year Dr. Zuchai tells us. BSE never cost a single life, a human life in Germany, even though there's a tiny risk that remains. But the entire BSE hysteria is based on completely unproven hypotheses. Researching this disease is difficult, it has to be said, but the fact is that indeed there is no scientific proof for many hypotheses and probably will never be uh, uh, found. Particularly, and let me underscore this, uh, the proof that cattle who test positively on BSE but are clinically healthy can spread the disease. This proof has never been uh, made. So testing healthy cattle is pointless. Why do they do it? Well, yeah. I'd like to ask uh, the authorities, uh, the competent authorities, there is no real reason for it. Tests are not bad business, and many institutions are involved. Nobody's interested in uh, calling off the alert for uh, BSE. The researchers point out the residual risk because the risk needs to keep science going. The fact is that scientists have become dependent. They're nearly obliged to do what is trendy, if you wish, what politicians, the popular population, expect them to do. And if they don't do it, they won't have a lot of money, few opportunities. So if I decided to research prions, with a little bit of success, I would get much more money for what I'm doing now, with the research I'm, I'm doing now. Risks such as BSE or the flu, um, the bird flu, are trendy, and its research uh, ensure careers and research monies. So um, scientists have to compete for these funds, and this creates hysteria, and politicians are under pressure. Politicians are driven. They're not responsible for this. We're jointly responsible for what we've done to this country. If science and society and politicians are agreed that this needs to be done, then it will be done. And that's what's happening. So the whole thing needs to be questioned after all these years whether what we 
I uh, say we for everybody else because I've always been against it, but um, whether this was right. And if it wasn't right, then we have to have the courage to correct this now and here. And this is where we Germans fail. We don't have the courage to say it was a mistake and we want to correct it now. Nothing has been proven. No victim, no one is uh, fell ill. The risk of being uh, struck by lightning is a thousand times higher than being um, suffering from Creutzfeldt Jakob disease. Nevertheless, we waste millions on the research. You know, there are so many risks in life and we have to live with them. And the problem of the population is that all these risks are considered equal. And we have a society that doesn't want to have any risk, but this is not possible in life. Now, if you have something that is very rare and very unlikely and you want to eliminate that risk, then you need to uh, use ridiculous amounts of money. And that's what's happening with BSE. The Germans are researching themselves bankrupt and they uh, neglect the real risk because they don't have the money left. We're talking to General Alcuya, a former inspector. Good morning. Do you have understanding that parts of Europe uh, reject that uh, training mission? Yes, I do so. Ukraine comes with new and uh, new demands. Just to make clear that um, there is means to forward that crisis for years, the NATO has um, um, forwarded the Orange Revolution, the, the US and other states have had trainings for two and a half billion um, weapons supply. Now it is just uh, to um, I think it is crucial that our media uh, give uh, that um, Ukrainian um, ambassador a platform, just like you do. Things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms, and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. Gates' business strategies came under fire in 1998 when the United States Department of Justice sued Microsoft for antitrust violations. This is take three of the videotape deposition of Bill Gates. During the 18-month trial, Gates gave hours of videotape testimony. What were the non-Microsoft browsers that you were concerned about in January of 1996? That month. Yes, sir. And what about it? What non-Microsoft browsers were you concerned about? in January of 1996. I don't know what you mean concerned. Um, what is it about the word concerned that you don't understand? I'm not sure what you mean by it. The Justice Department has charged Microsoft with engaging in anti-competitive and exclusionary practices designed to maintain its monopoly in personal computer operating systems. In a move to overshadow the negative press, Gates invested $100 million to set up the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Overnight, Bill Gates transformed his public image 
from ruthless tech monopolizer to the world's most generous philanthropist. I'm pleased to announce that we're pledging an additional billion dollars. Uh, to... We had the chance to witness Bill Gates 2.0, the man you don't know. The rebranding campaign paid off. His net worth swiftly doubled, earning Bill Gates the title of richest man in the world. You've invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades, and you figured out the return on investment for that. It kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? In a Wall Street essay, Bill Gates declared vaccines the best investment I've ever made. There's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits, uh, that's a pretty strong number compared to anything else. The Gates Foundation expanded rapidly into a massive, vertically integrated, multinational corporation controlling every step in a supply chain that reaches from its Seattle-based boardrooms to the villages of Africa and Asia. Is the world's largest private philanthropy causing harm? The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has made millions of dollars each year from companies blamed for many of the same social and health problems the foundation seeks to address. The Gates Foundation has investments in 69 of the worst polluting companies in the U.S. and Canada. Other companies in the foundation's portfolio have been accused of transgressions, including forcing thousands of people to lose their homes, supporting child labor, defrauding and neglecting patients in need of medical care. The Gates Foundation has not provided details. <laughs> William H. Gates III and Melinda French Gates. As a top donor to both the WHO and the CDC, no one man has more power than Bill Gates to influence and control the health and medical freedom of all people. Normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. This will be the new normal until a vaccine is developed. Until we find a vaccine going back to normal, means putting lives at risk. We need to produce it and to deploy it in every single corner of the world. Full vaccination of our children and pregnant women. Development of new vaccines, therapeutics and diagnostics. We've already bought the syringes. We already know where it's going to happen. We're thinking about what that's going to be. It's all part of this plan. Our military is now being mobilized, so at the end of the year, we're going to be able to give it to a lot of people very, very rapidly. In 1986, President Ronald Reagan signed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, granting total immunity to vaccine manufacturers. After a decade of lawsuits related to vaccine injuries and deaths, vaccine makers were going bankrupt. In a move to coerce policymakers, vaccine companies threatened to stop making vaccines until they could be legally shielded from liability. To this day, when someone is injured or killed as the result of an adverse reaction, it is the U.S. taxpayers that pay for the damages. Welcome back. Were several Indian tribal girls used as guinea pigs? The report alleges that two American pharma giants, untested vaccine was administered to thousands of tribal girls without proper study and paperwork. India was among the hardest hit after Bollywood celebrities were incentivized by the Gates Foundation to urge the public to submit to mass vaccinations. In 2009, tribal children were administered the HPV vaccine. Over 24,000 girls were told they were being given wellness shots, in many cases without the informed consent of a parent or a guardian. 
The people that were administering these vaccines lied to the guardians of these girls and told the girls, oh, this is going to cure cancer. You're never going to have cancer. And these girls became severely injured. Some of them developed seizures. Some of them developed cancer. And seven girls died. And there was no insurance. There was no assistance for them. And the Gates Foundation denied that it had been clinical trials. And it was so bad that the parliament in India created a task force. They studied it and they kicked out the Gates Foundation. But India is a barbaric country. Things happen here in a very barbaric way. But I was surprised to find an American organization operating in broad daylight, doing things in a very, very, let's say, Indian fashion. And so the route I took was that I want the whole procedure to be investigated. The Indian parliament formed a committee and it was to me a rather surprising move because you generally don't often have such a high level inquiry into matters affecting poor people. And that was such an extraordinary report. I don't think Indian parliament has ever come out with such a scathing report. And the government officials came up and said, we shouldn't have authorized this. We're sorry. We're not going to allow them again. And now they're back doing their same old tricks again. The good news is that human clinical trials can start as early as July 2020 for India's first COVID-19 indigenous vaccine that's been developed by Bharat Biotech. So you can imagine how the manipulation of the media by the media, the manipulation of public opinion, by leaders from all political parties unanimously saying, we want a vaccine. And the worst thing is they are taken as philanthropists. Whereas what this actually is, is the acquisition of political and financial power. And I think the second most populous country with 1.3 billion people is going to be a good base for pharmaceutical companies to make a killing and also kill a lot of people in the process. Yes, I just find it a pity that we haven't been able to get any benefit for the girls who suffered, you know. It's so terrifying as to what they're actually doing with the world. We're taking things that are, you know, genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. A 2018 scientific study released in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health concluded that over 490,000 children in India developed paralysis as a result of the Gates-supported oral polio vaccine that was administered between the years of 2000 and 2017. Using all the usual sleight of hand, U.S.-based media and fact-checkers rushed to bury the story. But thanks to the meticulous work of a team of Indian researchers and doctors, the inconvenient truth lives on the NIH.gov website. It's my honor to introduce Bill and Melinda Gates. Without any medical training, Bill and Melinda Gates founded the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, through which they fulfill their agenda to vaccinate the world. The foundation has been sued by the governments of some of the poorest and most vulnerable nations for causing serious harm through experimental vaccine programs. If you just look at healthcare workers around the world, they deserve to get the vaccine first. You know, here in the United States, really, it's going to be black people who really should get it first and many indigenous people. 
Vaccines were always taught to us that it was safe, it was, it was healthy, this is things that we had to do. But given the position that I am in now as a state legislator, and looking at these studies and reviewing a lot of these studies, it's very scary. And I want the African-American community to open up their eyes. Of all the places that Mr. Gates could have gone in the world, why did he settle on Africa? It's not because he cares about people that look like me. He cares about an agenda. African bodies have been used as lab rats for many years for Big Pharma. They are using us for trials, they are using us for testing, but as an African, I say no more. Africans, they're tired of becoming the guinea pigs of the world. Their antennas are raised and they are telling each other all over social media, they're on high alert right now. There is a policy of the American government it's called the Kissinger Report, which was produced in the mid-70s. And it explicitly states that uh, the purpose of the foreign policy in Africa was to uh, reduce the, the population because they have great mineral resources there. And the time, Kissinger and those involved with the Carter administration wanted to shrink the population, make sure that the Africans do not develop and do not use the resources for themselves, because we in the States, we need them. There is a, a concerted effort of foreign powers to uh, control the population of Africa. Some children did survive the botched vaccinations last month and will recover, but 15, all under the age of five, died from fever, vomiting and diarrhea. Human errors contributed to the unfortunate deaths of the children. How can you believe Big Pharma, but not believe these parents when they tell you that their children have been injured by Big Pharma? I don't care how big this corporate machine looks. As a parent, I can tell you, these people will never stop fighting for their kids. Gates is either the most misunderstood man alive or one of the most convincing con men to ever live. Is he a benevolent hero or a malevolent opportunist? Personally, I would love to believe that one of the richest men in the world is giving away his fortune for the betterment of humanity. I want to believe that endearing smile. I want to believe that his heart is as soft and warm as his sweaters. At the very least, I want to believe that he's unaware of the damage he's done. When do you think life will fully return to what we thought of as normal back in January? No masks, no social distancing, uh, no other protective measures necessary. Certainly by the summer, will be way closer to normal than we are now. But even through early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease and we get high vaccination rates in our country, 
the risk of reintroduction will be there. And of course, the global economy will be uh, slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. So we'll have, starting in the summer, about nine months where a few things like big public gatherings uh, will still be restricted. But you know, we can see now that somewhere between 12 to 18 months, we have a chance, if we manage it well, uh, to get back to normal. For the world at large, normalcy only returns when we've largely vaccinated the entire global population. And well, this won't be the last pandemic that we face. So we, you know, we'll have to prepare for the next one. That, you know, I'd say is, uh, will get attention this time. Mm -hmm.